there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. And it's been, it's not been as long as it was last year. Last I year we took so. a, a break until May, when we, no June, right? When we had our I was teaching halfway, last year. Yeah. yeah. Halfway pointed. It's only been really a month, right? I think about a month, a little over a month and a half. It, I, yes, I think that's accurate, but it feels like forever. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but it feels like literally an eternity. Well, I think it's because we just didn't have a winter. Maybe. Connecticut decided there was going to be no winter. We had one snowstorm, which pe- two snowstorms, I think. People lost their minds over like four inches of snow last week. They did. In southern Connecticut. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been slow going. But we're back talking about some of the new movies. We're not going to do Black uh, Girl today. We didn't get to it. Yeah, we'll roll that out. We'll jump back on this horse yeah. here. And, we're and, and... we're going to get to that. Uh, but we have we have three movies to talk about today. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, when this cu- releases, it'll be the day before the Oscars, or tomorrow. I don't know. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll put it up when it, I'll edit it. Most likely, at, at least, the most likely, Oscars, this will right. be before the Oscars. Uh, yes. Before we do that, before we talk about the Oscars, though, we have a, a beer. This is from the Burlington Beer Company. It's a double IPA. This is the Sea of Air. I don't it's a nice really. Can. I yeah. like the die cut label. It's the reason I got it was yeah. because of the, the, the can. Oh, I didn't know. It's got it's got a nice little, interesting wavy cut to it on the top. Yeah. The dink it. Not bad. It's refreshing. Yeah, but fruity but yeah. with like a, a nice little, um, oppy mm-hmm. bite. It's nice. I got, yeah, it's I got. You said everything there is to say about it. I got. Nothing to say. If I was drinking this at a bar, I would get another one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, they did a good job. I, I, super unremarkable in the end of the day, but uh, yeah. it's not something you would seek out. But it is definitely something that I would continue to drink at a bar. Well, I, I'd have like two, and then I'd switch sure. to a lower ABV beer. If I saw this at a bar mixed with, you know, some pilsners or like oh. just a bunch of like weird stuff, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Would not be, would not be a sh- yeah, if I saw this and I didn't like anything else, love anything else, I'd, I'd get it. I think I might get this over a headway. Oh, I would definitely get it yeah. over a headway, but that's not really so much for me. Not a sea hag, though. Um, no, probably not a sea hag, because sea hag would still be cheaper. Yeah, and it's ubiquitous to me. So. And, it, I, and it's delicious. So the Oscars, it's the week of the Oscars. Uh, more importantly, it's Scream 6 week. That's the more important thing that's happening this week. But Do you think one will have any world, effect on the other? <laughs> imagine. Tomorrow, weaving dying, dying in the opening is going to cause the Oscars to shut down. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe they find a way to. Is there a, is there an ABC Pre- slash presum- presumable spoilers? But it seems very likely she's the opening victim. Uh, oh really? Yeah. She was she in the last one? No, no, she's was supposed to be in the last one. She's friends with Radio Silence. Uh-huh. Like she did Ready or Not. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's the Oscars. I think it, the Best Picture at this point feels kind of like a foregone conclusion. With the totality of the precursors. How do you feel about that? Um, you know, whatever. It's not Elvis. I think the big, the thing I'm most concerned about is the, probably the one category. One of the two categories left that is a poten- major categories that's mm-hmm. kind of potentially up in the air. Um, and obviously, original screenplay, I guess, is also somewhat up in the air. I do think Banshees will take it in the end, maybe. But I, I was made to feel uncomfortable by the everything, everywhere, all at one 
WGA. Well, Banshees wasn't eligible. It's not. But, but the fact that it won, like it swept the Independent Spirit Awards the day before, and then it won. I am over it. And then it won the, yeah. um, you know, the WGA. I was like, maybe it's just going to happen, and it is just going to win, like, everything. Will Martin McDonald break somebody's head? No, he'll be fucking hammered. Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Uh, but I think the two categories that are kind of up in the air right now is uh, supporting actress still is up in the air. You know, I think it's between probably Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Angela Bassett. I think I think Bassett probably takes it in the end. I got my Curse gold derby. I got my gold derby up. Um, they still have Bassett with a fairly healthy lead over Carrie Condon with Jamie Lee Curtis like pretty only far behind. BAFTA, right? She won the BAFTA, so they've split. I think they're kind of... And Jamie Lee Curtis won the SAG. And Angela Bassett won the Critics' Choice and... Gold, the Globe. The Golden Globe, yeah. So, I mean, I, which I don't... Which I think we're finding not has person, not yeah. real... Like, no real standing here. Um, I think Angela Bassett takes it, too. I think people are probably voting for some of this stuff, like, way before some of these... Like, as soon as they opened, like... I mean, I can't speak to this stuff. I just... Can't imagine Jamie Lee Curtis winning like an Oscar for this part. Yeah, the only thing I could imagine her winning for is the fact that she was kind of the progenitor of this um, Oscar push for it. Like she kind of is the person who started that ball rolling, mm. rolling and really heavily pushed it and like made it kind of somewhat into a slight contender at first, and then kind of the movie itself. Yeah. Then took off from there. Uh, the big category, though, that has actually made me nervous is that actor category. Because holy shit, do I not want Austin Butler to win that Oscar? I don't think he does. I think Brendan Fraser wins. I th- yeah. Um, what's it called? Um, what's Gold Derby have? Gold Derby. So Gold Derby has Brendan Fraser with the best. Or they have Austin Butler with the best odds, but they have Brendan Fraser predicted to win. Okay. So I think they're just. I think they think that Austin Butler. I think they think Brendan Fraser will win, but that Austin Butler like has like the best. I don't know. It's hard to. Just, I'm not like a gambler, mm-hmm. so they have. So they have like the predicted to wins. Brendan Fraser. People, more people have predicted Brendan Fraser to win than Austin Got Butler, it. but they're giving Austin Butler for better like betting, betting odds. odds to yeah, better betting odds to win. What's the what's the bet? What's the line? Seven to two. That's um, not the great. That's not. A great and then line. Brendan Fraser has seventy one to twenty. Okay, so. <laughs> Legitimately a dead even time. Yeah. Um and then Colin Farrell and like everybody else's. I mean, my kind of my dream like three weeks ago, and I almost texted you about it and then I forgot because that's just what I do now, is that Paul Mescal just kind of like like is under the radar and all that Paul Mescal Phoebe Bridgers nonsense that was happening kind of like shoots him up. Like when everyone yeah, what, discovered After Sun. But the Paul Mescal Phoebe Bridgers what, what nonsense there. Didn't they break up or like everyone said they broke up, but then he was like, we didn't break up. Mind your own business. Oh, yeah. I think he just doesn't talk about it. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. He's, he's an interesting guy. He doesn't like talking about his personal life. But it seemed like everyone was watching After Sun at the same time and everyone was like, you know what? Fucking Paul Mescal. Yeah. It was really good. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Brendan Fraser takes this. Um, which, is, which is fine. He was. I'm always okay when anyone on my list wins... Like a major award, um, it yeah, feels. Mescal hasn't won any of the really precursors. He stuff. has not, but he's been in the mix a little bit. Although it was very funny watching the. You won the Toronto Awards. Film Critics. Right. That's all. I mean, that's all you need. Adam Damon's up there, <laughs> giving out awards. It was very funny seeing. Um, I forgot that Adam Sandler was nominated for the SAG and not Paul Mescal, so it made me laugh. Not for Adam, Hustle. For yeah. Adam Sandler, just like sitting there. What am I doing? 
And then I was like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a huge conflict of interest because Netflix owns this award show now. Do they really? Yeah, so it was, it was, it was live streamed on Hulu because they didn't think they were ready to like live stream it on Netflix. Or they, it was live streamed on YouTube because they weren't sure they were ready to stream it on Netflix. So next year it'll be streamed on Netflix. Oh, so live. it's like their uh, like the sample run for live sports, huh? Yeah, basically. Um, Excited to see how much they overspend for that. Yeah, and it'll be a huge mistake because nobody's going to watch sports on Netflix. Yeah, but So the overall Oscar ceremony, are you excited for it? I'm kind of like in the middle of the road. Um, I am. Jimmy Kimmel hasn't been the best host in the past. He's got a little dull. No, but at least they have a host. Yeah, that's, um, that's fair. I think all the songs, except for that goddamn fucking Diane Warren song, um, will be interesting to see perform live. Um, whatever that means. I just... What's I, the favorite there? I'm, I'm hoping... The RRR song. Uh, I was yeah. hoping This Is My Life wins, just so they make David Byrne speak for 20 minutes. Yeah. Although he probably just would have Mitski speak. You'd, be, <laughs> you'd just be very... Uh, that's a very awkward combination of people. Mitski yeah. and David Byrne <laughs> up on stage. Like, who's going to give this the speech? No, I think it'll be... I just... I'm very... You know, everything, everywhere, all once I've watched it. So it's funny that it's turned into the movie from this year that I've watched the most out of all the other movies because I just keep trying to, like, process it. Um, and it'll be cool to, for it to... It'll be cool for it to win. It's just... It's uh, it's uh, it's an odd movie for, like the, like, the Hollywood, like, elite to be like, yes, you know, and to define the year... But I think in a lot of ways it probably does. It's a mix of the weird. It made a pretty good amount of money. Yeah, um, I think it's. I think it's also kind of the sign of the Oscars getting younger in the fact that this is very heavily a millennial Gen Z sort of flavor of film. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, all the older people either got canceled or died of COVID, um, or just boring. Like that Steven Spielberg winning the like Best Director Oscar thing. I'm so glad it's over because like. The, like the Fablemans is a wow. fine movie, but it's just it's good, but it's just not it's boring. Yeah. Like who cares? Like I read an article about like it's his bravest work. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Why? Clearly, nineteen forty one is his bravest work. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, because he made it. <laughs> yeah, always is his bravest work. Because someone oh was probably God. just like, don't do that, and he's like, I'm doing it. Richard Dreyfuss, I'm fucking doing he's it. Gonna fly a plane. No, by that, by that token, like, The Terminals is his best work. I enjoy The Terminals. Because someone was like, come on, man. He's just like, what? I got nothing else Do you to not do. like The Terminal? I'm no, the terminal it's guy. terrible. I like The Terminal. I enjoy My it. My wife likes The Terminal. Lady Killers? I mean, that's a Coen Brothers movie, but everyone hates that one. Yeah, I think I hate that one. Well, I enjoy that one. Um, but I yeah. I remember. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Oscars. You know, it'll, it'll be, be fun. fun. Yeah. I'll watch it with Andy. We're going to drink some beer, so that'd be a good time. I'm going to watch it with my family and drink some beers. Because they've seen a bunch of these movies. I've made them watch, like... So, my, I've made my kids watch, like, parts of, like, all of Is, is your daughter at the age where she, like, is kind of caring now? Yeah, because she's seen... So, they've seen all the animated features. Um, we just watched Puss in Boots, which was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was oddly, like, different. And, like, when... Panic attacks? Well, and, like, the idea when the wolf... Announces himself like just as death straight up, like my son was just kind of like, whoa, <laughs> he didn't like see it coming. Yeah, that it was just it, he had nothing to do with like any fairy tale shit. He's just like I am death, 
and you are fucking pissing me off. So I'm finishing you. And it was just like, that's really fucking heavy and good. And Florence Pugh seemed like she was up to the task sometimes and couldn't be bothered other times. And somehow that made it better. Right, depends on the day. What do you, what do you feel of this, this new trend of that, that um, animation style? Because now the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie going to have that animation style um I, we liked it i i thought the the mix of kind of um classic dreamworks like like character shape but mm. with the that um into hand, the spider-verse kind yeah, the of hand, hand drawn pesties pesties was good I, yeah. I mean i thought it i thought it worked i don't think it's gonna work for everything it'll probably work for ninja turtles um if they tried to do the next shrek movie with it i think it'll probably not work yeah they should not do um that. but i think that's where puss in boots um, is different is that it's like an action movie that and it played like an action movie that was animated the worst thing about it is John Mulaney um, but kind of he's kind of since his time should have passed yeah and maybe it did and this was just kind of like I don't know he's trying to get back in the Hollywood's good graces after shagging up a Olivia Munn Olivia Munn uh. and ditching his artist wife which I don't care about I don't know what we're talking about um, yeah it'll be good yeah I think do you also actually think do you think that it's the one all the awards seem fairly fixed and now like you know the ones that we talked about but I mean like the down category ones um, now that women talking won the WGA I think that's kind of like solidified the adaptive screenplay thing Marcel the shell is the odds are always going up not it's not getting close but it's that's the only what's thing the, that's what's like... The, what's the lead right now? Is, um, um, Pinocchio. Pinocchio. And it's a very far... They have it very far away, but Marcel Shell has been inching up like the entire time. It's, no, I think, I think Pinocchio still takes it. No. Here, here's a weird... I don't, I don't predict it. I still think this film's going to win, but I will not be shocked if Avatar doesn't win visual effects. I would not be shocked either. If, if uh, Top Gun yeah. won visual effects instead. It would not shock me if Avatar didn't win anything. Yeah. Because I feel like people have no feelings about Avatar. They're just like, thank you for making us a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. See I mean, you in two years when you make us a lot of money again. And mean nothing to anybody. Yeah. I don't think people can really even describe what happened in Avatar 2 again. No, I, I, again, I've been making my kids like watch some of these movies and I told my daughter. You haven't like, caught gonna, that yet, right? I'm no, I was like, we're going to go see Avatar this weekend. And she's like, why? But everything else, like, we took, I took him to see Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the re-release. Um... And it was just the three of us and one other guy. And they were like, that was awesome. But like Avatar, they're like, you're going to take him to C65 instead, right? This weekend. I am. Oh, really? Maybe not this weekend, but yeah. We're, if I can get I'm open, I'm open that's fun. Is that not, that's not a Predator movie, right? No, it's, it's a PG-13 time travel, like not a time travel movie, but set oh. in the age of dinosaurs. I kept hoping that they were going to try to work. Like, cause he keeps showing that gun and I was like, right. I don't know what this gun is. But it looks very just like it was just another Predator movie. Yeah, that's kind and then of. And Dan Trackerberg was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and he just like shows up at like you He's know. like, "What the fuck, guys?" Uh, no, I, it's, I keep I keep hoping it's going to be like stealthily something that's not just a well, the dinosaur. New, movie. The new Alien movie started production this week. Yeah, who's that? in that? Um, no, a whole bunch of nobody. It's, oh. it's Fetty Alvarez though directing so that should be Who's that? interesting uh he did don't breathe oh okay um and the evil dead remake mm-hmm. so i expect just a, a slasher alien film which is Love. i'm okay with it 
I, I think those films are best when they're slashers. Is Michael Fassbender going to be in love with himself? I don't, I think, I don't know if Michael Fassbender is in it, but it's presumed he's going to be in it. Oh, awesome. Because it is a sequel to Covenant. So. Awesome. Loved Covenant. Loved it. <laughs> I, I like Covenant, too. <laughs> We're like the only two people on Earth. Yeah, and Ridley Covenant Scott. Was a good I'm movie. sure Ridley Scott does, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, he was like, it's this Danny everything. Danny McBride probably likes it. Danny McBride likes everything. You wrote Halloween Ends. Like, you can't be that bad. Fucking Danny McBride. I was explaining, on the subject of Halloween Ends, I was explaining the um, David Gordon Green scene in Bones and All to somebody at work the other day, and they're just like, you like that? And I was like, it was awesome. I legitimately was afraid he was going to eat somebody. Or that there's a guy like that out there, like, ready to eat somebody. So, it's, it is funny, like, because when you have those instances and talking to people just in the wild. I was at East Rock Coffee. And they just know I'm a movie guy because of the, the movie shirts I have. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Mario, I've never asked you, like, what is your favorite movie of, like, all time? And then it's like, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And then, like, the two baristas kind of just looked at me and was like, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I was, talking, Interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine at work about you in that movie today because she just watched it. And she was just like, she was, what did she say? She was like. Have you ever heard the phrase gutted like a fish? And I was like, yeah, I have. And she's like, well, that was that movie. And I was like, cool. You and my friend should be friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the line that's used in Scream. Is it? Yeah, well, you know. Oh, yeah, in the original Scream. Oh, good, you're like a fish. Yeah. Mm. Does it mean Connection. something? Connection. Does it mean something? Who knows? Uh, speaking of Scream, though. Dude, I'm going to talk about. You've only seen the three movies that we're going to talk about this year, right? Yeah. This year. And we're gonna talk and Crouching about, so. Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But of the two 2023 films, I've seen I've seen five films. I've actually been to the theater uh, four, four times, I think. That's pretty good. Four times, yeah, because I saw all three of those films in the theater we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. And um, Cocaine Bear. Uh, but speaking of Scream, Kevin Williamson wrote a new horror film this year. It was Sick, called Sick, literally. It is uh, set in April of 2020. And uh, these two people who are kind of you know, um, what was the term we used? Staying at ho- stay home. There's quarantining. Stay, quarantining at home. Um, are chased by a killer. Uh, who's I forgot what he's wearing. He has I can't even remember his his costume. Doesn't matter. Um, it, it was an interesting. It was an interesting, fun movie. Very weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very obvious when Jane Adams shows up that she's going to be the villain, and she was. Well, one of the Why? villains. Why did you think that? She's always the hero of everything. Jane <laughs> Adams is the greatest. I mean, yeah, she's either that or like the pimp in Hung. Um, Jane Adams, what a great career. But no, it's it, it, it was made great. It was pretty pretty typical, kind of kind of a little boring. But it was made great by the fact that the uh, the killer twist, the twist in it, uh-huh. was the fact that this family is committing these murders. And going after this one girl because she had asymptomatic COVID oh. and like had like a week and a half earlier made out with this guy at a party that they shouldn't have gone to, mm-hmm. given him COVID <clears throat> and he had like their son and he had died from COVID. Oh. So literally the twist of the movie is that <laughs> this family is, is trying to murder these people. It's like in the bedroom. Because of COVID. But yeah. like COVID in yeah. the bedroom. It was, wow. It's pretty interesting. It was an interesting it's clearly something Kevin Williamson wrote just like during COVID, yeah. probably bored. And then Hulu was, or not Hulu, uh, Peacock was like, yeah, sure, have a $2 million. More like this. Um, does So they were just talking about this on a podcast about like the COVID art. Like, are you, 
excited to see more COVID art? Or are you kind of like looking forward to the days when like the novelty of making COVID like movies about COVID or like during COVID or set during COVID kind of fades away when you go back to normal? I just kind of think like if you tell a if you have a story to tell that works with the vein of COVID, mm-hmm. that's fine. And that, that's that's good. You mm-hmm. know? Um, but if you're just kind of like tacking it on. Yeah, then whatever. Do you think which one do you think this was tacked on, or um, like it was had something to say about something? No, it had nothing to say about COVID. I think it just seemed interest. Like it made the way of getting these people alone, these this, these two friends, mm-hmm. and like their the ex boyfriend who shows up and he gets murdered. Um, no, it had nothing to say. Like this movie, legitimately, like once the killer shows up, it's just like a forty five minute long chase scene. Mm. Which is fun. And actually, that's what worked for it is like it is just a long chase. Um, but it had nothing to say about COVID. I think the the only reason it was set during COVID is because it was written during COVID. And just the whack-ass crazy twist that this fa- this three, like this brother and her his parents are. Is <laughs> Jane Addams the mom? Like yeah. The- nice. Committing these murders to... Um, avenge their son's death and actually they like tie up the main girl mm-hmm. and like probe her nose and do a covid test just to make sure she was the one that had asymptomatic covid cool <laughs> it sounds it's it's ridiculous but i was laughing my ass off oh good it's so. so it's played for laughs it's um it's... no it's played straight but it's there's st- you know when you play a film straight but you kind of still have your tongue mm-hmm. in the cheek like it's kind of doing a slight hand wave to yeah, like yeah. how this is a little silly mm-hmm. that's what happens yeah so, yeah, it's a, it's, I, I, you t- kept telling me to watch it like specifically for the twist, and like it's, I just never got around yeah, to it's, it. It's seventy four minutes, I think. That's so. pretty good. Blessed seventy four minute movies. Yeah, it's it's completely just a entertaining thing that you watch and forget about, but it's it's engaging while you watch it. Is there a segue from all of those words into your second well, movie that you want to talk about? Speaking of tongue in cheek, <laughs> or tongue out of cheek, and tongue out of body. <laughs> Tongue out of everything. Uh, I also saw Cocaine Bear, um, which I I hated <laughs> with every fiber of my... So Cocaine Bear is about... Uh, it's loosely, loosely based on the story of a bear that in the 80s ingested cocaine and immediately died from it. It died yeah. from like a massive stroke, heart attack, kidney failure, like a whole bunch of shit. Um, I didn't know that. I thought it did some stuff, but it, nope. was just, it was like they found a bear with cocaine in its system. Yeah, 175 pound... Uh, black bear just dead. It was presumed to have like died like twelve minutes later, but apparently there was like this um, Reddit joke that said like you know for those twelve minutes it was the most apex predator of all time. And I'm assuming maybe the screenwriter of this um, saw that and decided to just make a film out of it. Cool. Um, it's, it's obviously a comedy first and foremost, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it is also a horror film. And the thing is, is like there's like it's gotta be a balance with those types of films. Yeah. Um I think you're the one that saw the review and said like the one review and said it makes tremors it makes tremors look like snakes on a plane. It, it makes, makes snakes on a plane look like Citizen Kane. It or makes something like that. it makes snakes on a plane look like tremors. No, it makes Tremors looks like snakes on a plane and snakes on a plane look like Citizen Kane, is I think cool, the way it was. Fuck. Something similar to that. I'll look um, it up while you're talking. Yeah. But the thing, the thing that has to work through these creature films is there has to be like this, this limit level of tongue in cheek mixed with your violence. And the violence can be like a little graphic at points and shocking, but it can't be like the factor and the impediment of like the, the story 
being told. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just ranching up the violence in those types of films. Something like Lake Placid has a couple. Sure. One very gory death of, like, the guy getting his head bit off. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of, like, other gore. Uh, Piranha's not really a good <clears throat> example. Piranha's, like, a straight slasher movie. Um, but it's definitely leans more just being a horror-ish movie mm-hmm. and a gore film than this does. Um, and, and that's what made this movie not work for me at all, is whenever the bear isn't on screen murdering people, I'm actually somewhat engaged with this film. Um, uh, Odell Jackson Jr. Um, and is that his name? Odell Jackson, Ice Cube's son. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what his and name is. And I can never say the guy's name. Aiden Enrich. Enrich, the Alden, guy that played Solo. Aaron, Aaron Reich. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're like their scenes together they're actually like pretty solid uh-huh. like it's very enjoyable seeing this like two like bunny comedy guys um and that's some of the other stuff when you know Margot uh Martindale is like trying to flirt with uh Jesse Tyler Ferguson and whatnot like trying to get in his pants like stuff like that is fun mm-hmm. or but- like the two kids like trying to take cocaine because they said like, oh, we take cocaine. So they each like eat cocaine and a massive amount of cocaine too. Like those kids should be dead. Um, <laughs> one of them being uh, Brooklyn Prince. Oh, cool. From, Brooklyn who, Prince. Who disappears for like most of the movie and then pops up in the finale. Oh, I'm so happy she keeps doing this. Yeah, she's not bad. Yeah. No, she'll be good. Uh, see, that's, I mean, now that we're talking about Oscars, that's like, I mean, every time we, the season comes up, I think about Willem Dafoe not winning. Oh, yeah. But continue. But, when that stuff's happening, it's a lot of fun. The, the issue is, is I don't think Elizabeth Banks has the the stylings to kind of capture fun violence. Mm. Um, and instead, like when Jesse Tyler Ferguson dies, she does a really good job of just focusing on his face mm-hmm. and like he's hanging upside down. He's getting his leg chewed off. You don't see it, but like blood squirting onto him, um, and he's screaming. And it's like you're kind of watching, going, "This is horrific. This isn't like fun." Yeah, but that's immediately played off like he falls out of the tree and like breaks his neck, and it's played for a laugh. And it's like, but like you kind of like went past like fun, and yeah. Like went into like horror range, and she does like other stuff later on, like this like this trio of punks, and two of them are killed. Uh, one gets shot in the head by Margot Martindale accidentally. One gets like torn apart and gets like their head ripped off, and he's like talking about how like he doesn't know it, um, and he says like, oh, I can't wait to like go to New York City with my friends. And it does this weird cutaway of him hanging out, like, about ready to go to New York City, and his two friends are, like, shown with him dead. But, like, has, like, a holding, one's holding his head, and the other one has, like, the bullet hole. So it's kind of, like, playing this weird John Landis American werewolf in mm. London sort of thing. So it's really, she had, she just couldn't capture comedy violence. Mm-hmm. You know, she like, all the violence in it is just graphic and yeah weird and too much and not fun it's not you know the shocking kind of humor of the lake placid decapitation or you know something like tremors where there's not really gory but like the deaths are presented as horrific in separation from the rest of the comedy this is trying to be like play some of its violence for comedy um but it just ends up being too Violent that it ends up being. Yeah, from reading, not fun. from listening to you talk about it, and from from reading some of the reviews of it, it seemed like she was really trying to straddle like the, um, like the current, like, almost like unquenchable thirst for like commercial horror. Yeah, and also making something that was like flippant and that like people didn't have to take too seriously because I think one of the criticisms she got for Charlie's Angels was that it was like too 
series. It's like too earnest. Yeah. Um, and this is not at all. Like right. it opens up with Jane by Jefferson Starship. Right. Um, and yeah, I read like a whole thing. About, you know, like, that, you have um, opening intro. I forgot what his name is, but the guy that's he's married to Carrie Russell. He was on um, he was on The Americans. Uh, Matthew Matthew Reese Matthew Reese yeah like he's like starts like by just dancing in the plane mm-hmm. you know to Jane like so it does definitely try to be funny yeah and not earnest at all it's just she hasn't captured that she hasn't there's there's promise there but she hasn't like captured it yet what do you think of the the already burgeoning Oscar campaign of trying to get it a visual effects Oscar oh it looks there it looks terrible. The bear is not does not look good at all. It looks oh really? Like, it looks like a cartoon bear. That points. Yeah, there's um, all these all there's all these things that like I've read that it's like like oh puts the revenant to shame. I was like I don't know what we're talking about with the like the reappraisal of the revenant like as bad in some ways just everyone's pissed off. Puzzles me. Puzzles me. It's really angry about Bardo. I think they are. I really think they are. Yeah, it does do a, a funny joke though where. Uh, the best part with the bear is when the bear is so high on cocaine that it passes out and collapses on uh, Alden and Eric. Yeah. And he's just stuck underneath the bear with the bear's vagina on his ear. Terrific. Terrific. You think it's stupid, but it actually it, it's played well. <laughs> um, the quote from Adam Naiman um, on The Ringer. Second time we mentioned Adam Naiman today, huh? Yeah, he's oh. the best. He hates everything. He's in Toronto? Uh, he's in Toronto. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. Canadian. He said that it makes... Um, Cocaine Bear makes Sharknado look like Tremors, which I think is good. Like, Sharknado yeah. is bad, but Tremors, it, like, this movie is so bad, it makes Sharknado look like Tremors. Cocaine, Cocaine Bear is better than Sharknado. But. And it makes Snakes on a Plane look like Citizen Kane. Snakes on a Plane is, uh, by a wide margin, worse than Tremors, so I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, I don't know what that is, either. Snakes on a Plane, people need to reappraise, because that movie is boring. Well, so from the from the podcast that I listened to about Cocaine Bear, they all mention Snakes on a Plane, where, like, they, they start with, a like, a premise... And then, like, they have to execute the premise. And the premise of this is, like, there's a bear that's on cocaine. And the premise of Snakes on a Plane is that Samuel L. Jackson is on a plane full of snakes and says, like, get me off this motherfucking, get these motherfucking snakes off this plane or whatever. Um, I believe it actually says get this, get these monkey flipping snakes off this Monday the Friday plane. Listen, Mario, I watched a, <laughs> I didn't know it because it was late at night, but I was, had Pulp Fiction on my mind. And I watched, I kicked up, like, how to watch it on Amazon. It was like, watch it for free on Philo or whatever. Yeah. And it's, I could watch it for free, but it's the... TV version. TV version of, and I was like, wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was really bad. It's it like really, really an bad. hour and 20 minutes? It is, um, I don't know, because there's commercials, because I watched it for free. It, yeah. But it was great because they... Edited out so much stuff, and I was flipping around. But at the end, when they're in the coffee shop, and you know, Amanda Plummer and Tim Roth are like, you know, you know, and Samuel Jackson's got Tim Roth, like, and he's got got him down there, and he's like, but so they bleep out everything else, but bitch, be cool, tell that bitch to be cool. That's no problem. They got no problem with that. That's fine. Everything else, they've got like tons of, even stuff that's on swear words and stuff like that. They've got no problem with it. But bitch, be cool. Tell the bitch to chill is, you know, it's perfectly right fine. there. Perfectly fine. <laughs> I mean, it is. But I'm interested to see Cocaine Bear in, uh, in a TV version. I think that might be fun. I don't, does that exist anymore? I mean, we could stop this podcast and do a thing about like how Cocaine <laughs> Bear is going to die somewhere. 
Like it's gonna, it, you know, came out in the theaters and then it's gonna come out on some streaming service. Then I mean, it's it made, go away. It forever. made eleven million dollars like already in the second week, so it's it's got its sequel coming. Are you gonna go see Creed? No, I'm gonna go I'll watch it. Yeah, when it comes out on streaming on Amazon, right? Yeah, I've heard. I just heard it's got like a lot of like anime stuff to it. Hmm. What do you mean? I just like uh, Michael B. Jordan shot a lot of things, like shot a lot of the fight scenes, honoring fights from anime and i'm like oh my god i'm sure i'm gonna fucking hate that yeah hmm. yeah i was gonna take my son but then i heard that felicia rashad like dies and i like wanted to prepare him and he's like yeah i don't want to do that oh he doesn't like death the mother yeah yeah in, he does in and stuff spoiler alert <laughs> but it's on fucking wikipedia so you can get fucking yeah. shit um all right Mario. spoiled movies anyhow so speaking how of spoiler. do we transition from actually it's a fairly easy transition i feel like from cocaine bear to our first like you know even though you just did two reviews can this really be our first real review this is our first real review yeah it's um that, that it's an- marvel movie that's got no legs man it's got zero legs. It's made four and twenty million worldwide. Worldwide, but that's it's gonna just <laughs> nothing. Yeah, it's gonna hit four fifty, and then people are just be like, "Nah, I'm done." Uh, it's Ant Man and the Wasp. Trust me, Evangeline Lilly is in this movie. Quantum Mania. You're an interesting man, Scott Lang. You're an Avenger. You have a daughter, but you've lost a lot of time, like me. We can help each other with that. Who are you? I'm the man who can give you the one thing you want. What's that? Time. rewrite existence and shatter timelines you cannot trust him i don't care who this guy is i just lost so much he can give us a second chance make this easy for you you will bring me what i need or everything you call life will end you may not want her to watch this we had a deal You could win. So it's after the blip. Well, yeah. How many years after, after the blip? Well, this is right after the so blip. So no, no, this is so it's twenty twenty five, four, five. five. It's got to be twenty twenty five. Yeah. So it's so it's five years. Five I mean, years after the blip. Well, end game. End game is five years after the blip. End game mm. happens in twenty twenty three. I believe this is another two years after that. Right. So it's got to be we're in twenty twenty five. Paul Rudd is a. Uh, Best-selling author. He's getting free Baskin Robbins because the proprietor thinks he's or coffee because the proprietor thinks he's Spider-Man. 
Like, and he's from I think you should leave. That's yeah, that's true. And uh, Cassie, played by Catherine Newton, now is uh, getting into some getting into some scrapes with the law because of uh, justice people. things. Yeah. Um, they have a like a big family now that um, Janet's back, and all they talk about is not talking about like the quantum realm, which is cool. For some reason, they make really tiny pizzas and then blow them up. I don't know why that's a good use of pim particles. It's got to cost something to make a pim particle. I'm not sure why we're wasting them on pizzas. Um, there's no Michael Pena in this movie. He is he is absent. Uh, and there's no Judy Greer or um, Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale either. No Randall Park. Just checking yeah. in. Um, we do, however, get David uh, Das Dasmith. And playing a different character. Yeah, as the as the the, the goo guy. Yeah. Um, Cassie, even though she's obsessed with the justice, has also been thinking a lot about the quantum realm. She makes this weird thing that can map the quantum realm. Did we establish her as a genius at some point? Nope. Like, I mean, I guess the comic books. Probably nope. Do. We didn't. She just did it. She fucking did it. Mapping the quantum her, realm. Did she figure her dad was in the quantum realm? No for five idea. Years and just like have, studied it to I try to get him no out. No idea. She's not. <laughs> Her character at that point has been established. Was he as, in the quantum? What? The, where the hell was he? He was in the quantum realm, like so during see, the during the initial blip. So why do you see all this shit? I mean, he's not in there for long for him, right? If I he's remember, he's in right, there for five hours for him. Yeah, that's right. It was five years, but for him it was five hours or five days, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's five. I think it's five hours. Um, he didn't see all that shit. He did not. He saw nothing. So maybe it is five hours. And he was just, just on like, like one of those floating rocks, on? I guess. I don't, know. I don't know, Mario. I don't know. He saw no Bill Murray's. He saw no, no fly, the flying sun monsters. No Cheaty from the Good Place. Man, William I, Jackson Harper. Yeah, I was hoping he. I was hoping he was going to get a bigger Marvel thing. Fortunate for him. Then stop looking at my forehead. Yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't. Um, but he didn't see. Also, is fucking Kang. Kang. He blips into the quantum realm. Kang is apparently paying attention to stuff. Kang, played by Jonathan Majors, just doesn't doesn't register. Doesn't register at all. Even though it registers this time when people come. They're looking for something. Doesn't register this other time when people come. Um, there's some there's a, some backstory here. Kang's, During those five hours, he didn't even look for, like, Ant-Man? Because like, he would know that Ant-Man got there. I don't know, buddy. I don't know. We're, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> What ensues, Mario, is a combination of flashback and really bad Bill Murray improvised scenes where clearly Peyton Reed was just kind of just like, just say some stuff. And then in the, it was actually reminded me a lot of The Irishman, that Bill Murray, um, Michelle Pfeiffer scene, because like there was no chemistry and the scene just went on forever. And he shot it in like a medium shot where they're just like, you see both of them sitting at a table and he's just like, she's like, oh, you never told them about me? And she's like, nope. And she's like, I, I can't believe you didn't tell them about me. It's like, what the fuck is happening here? Kang, there's some flashbacks where Kang and Janet meet. And Janet's trying to help Kang get out because she thinks he's like this cosmic traveler whose ship got wrecked. And she needs a thing. And she finds a thing. And then she puts it in the thing. And then she, it's attached to his brain. So she sees inside his mind. And she sees that he's like destroying worlds you know and she's like well that's no good and so she hits it with a bunch of pin particles and she 
blows it up and then he can't get out because he can't get in to make the thing small and and then he also invents uh Modoc. So we got a really weird Corey Stoll performance, but it's probably like the best thing about this movie. Um, I mean, I think Jonathan Majors is the best. Well, thing. Jonathan Majors is the best thing about this movie for sure, but he also seems like he's in like a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, Scott gets down there and he needs to do some heisting. And then in the middle of his heisting, which takes place in the middle of the movie, they decide to recreate the climax of uh, Ralph breaks the in- record. Ralph breaks the internet, which was totally fascinating, especially considering they use like the same color scheme and they're both made by the same parent company. Um, did you see Ralph Rex the internet? Yeah, when all the Ralphs yeah. come and they make the big Ralph. Um, and then they get out. Uh, he defeats Kang by hitting the thing. By punching him. With the pin particles and doing a thing and the thing he punches, happens. He punches yeah. Kang to, and, into, uh, into, into the, the more quantum realm. The quantum quantum realm, I guess. We've hit, uh, I think, I thought we had hit the nadir of the Marvel Universe Mario with uh, or Love and Thunder, where it was uh, it, it was content. We were Marvel was just creating was just creating content, and I was like forgiving the TV shows because they're TV shows and they clearly don't care about them. So like, I think She Hulk is actually probably the nadir of the MCU because um, it's just badly made and makes no sense and doesn't really seem like they tried very hard. But Thor Love and Thunder at least had some money um, attached to it, but was just kind of, was just bad. It was and they Christian could, Bale chewing on, yeah. on, the, on the scenery. But see, Christian Bale chewing on scenery that wasn't even, like, very good. Like, sitting down and having conversations with children and trying to chew that shit up. And, but you could blame that on Taika. You could blame all that on Taika just doing too much Taika stuff, and then it got in the way of making a real movie because he just wanted to Taika all over everything. Yeah. You cannot say the same for same thing for... Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. They have, this movie is a, I think, what did you say, a shell? It's like a, it's like a, it's like an, uh, an evaporated husk of a film that they've tried to fill it's, up with like MCU, like um, phase bridging content and fail to make like a real movie. It's not a film. It's an episode. It's nothing. It's an episode. Right. That's that's I I, I kind of have like a mediocre <clears throat> review of this film mm-hmm. because I am seeing these things in this post like Endgame world no longer has like self-contained movies that are movie experiences, but instead has like episodes of a show you're going to see that cost two hundred million dollars each. Right. Um, because like when you pull everything in this film down to one core idea and one core thing it really is just a of the week sort of movie it's introduce kang and then yeah. get the fuck out introduce kang kill possibly this version of kang show that there's multiple kangs and that the reason he's different than thanos is he's there's infinite amount of him but the movie itself in isolation isn't a film mm-hmm. it's just a small adventure it is a expanded version of what you would see on an Ant-Man cartoon from, you know, 1998, if there was an Ant-Man cartoon. Or like cartoon. a Star Trek episode. Exactly. Yeah. It, it does not feel like a film. And, and that's interesting because, you know, you look at Star Trek Beyond, which is kind of like an episode of Star Trek, but there's this real precision and care and established set pieces with some sort of level of 
design built into it that it feels like a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the entire final fight scene on the, um, the space station mm-hmm. uh, is, it's great and, and it's very cinematic. There's nothing here that's cinematic. Everything nothing. looks painfully fake. Like the, the CGI is awful on this. I'm not going to blame the CGI artists because they've got Marvel a lot, is they've got universally a lot considered them, yeah. like to be terrible um, with how they kind of work things. Um, and nobody really seems like they're, they're wanting to try here. No, um, but I mean, even Paul Rudd. Even, who, even Catherine Newton, who's like, you know, this is supposed to be like one of her coming out roles, is kind of just like, okay, I'm going to give you like 60%. Like she's trying harder and freaky than she is here. Yeah. <laughs> like she does a great job. In, like she's a good, decent actress. Mm-hmm. You can even tell her who like needs to make like possibly a career out of this is just like, yeah, I'm just going to fucking do the Marvel thing. I, th- I think Jonathan Majors is probably also kind of acting like at a lower level than he needs to. It's just he's Jonathan Majors. So, well, I think he's probably. I'm looking forward to the next season of Loki, which I think was one of Marvel's like standout things in four and you know five, I guess. Well, yeah, um, Loki's been the best thing they've done post Endgame. Well, the best, the best twenty minutes of of content that they've produced is is Jonathan Majors as the he who, who remains. remains. Yeah. Like delivering that speech and like Tom Hiddleston kind of coming into his own finally as the character being like, which is which pays off the entire series of him being like, I don't really know who I am. I don't know who I'm fucking supposed to be. I had a very clear sense of who I was and now everything is fucking ruined. Um, all that stuff. So that's there's interior things. But I'm not asking for that level of depth. I'm asking for like Eternals level just trying shit out. I'm asking for Ch- Shang-Chi coherence from like a like a third you know um or even like you know the third movie in a in a in a in a franchise inside of a franchise. I want coherence or even movie, Black Widow levels of just having goofy kind of fun at times. But also like competent goofy fun. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. But like Black Widow for as like mediocre and forgettable as that movie is, like still has moments where you're like, oh, that, that's, you know, it's Scarlett Johansson sure. having fun with, with Florence Pugh and then David Harbour and Rachel Wise also I would even fun. take like Doctor Strange. I mean, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Bandits is one of those movies. I'm really rewatching it like that movie. I like it too, but it also is, it doesn't hang together because it was made by two different directors. So it's yeah. very janky, but in its jankiness, there's ideas and there's, some kind of passion for something. And even when he's just like, oh, we're going to make John, we're going to shoot John Krasinski, not even looking in Dr. Strange's direction. And then we're going to just rip him apart. That shit was fucking awesome. And it paid off in a way that like this movie, I think tries to, and just like fails at. Well, yeah. And that's, that's the problem. It's because I think it's the issue that stands with Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is another forgettable movie. Um, but it was fun. It was like low stakes, but a good time. It's kind of fun. Yeah. But like Peyton Reed, doesn't really have a visual style or a, a voice to him. He's just kind of a career. He's no, you're a right. content dude. Mm-hmm. The reason like Ant-Man, the original kind of had some of that fun is like there's that, that taste of what Edgar Wright did with it mm-hmm. and what, um, well, I'm forgetting his name, not Tom McCarthy. Uh, he did a first pass through the script. Um, he would go on to do Adam McKay. Oh, uh, like Adam McKay. There's oh, really? Like, t- he did a yeah, first pass on that? Yeah. So Adam, oh. McKay, there's tastes of like what Adam McKay and what um, Edgar Wright did with it. You know, like there's yeah, there's something there. Well, there's an edge to the first one that like has been totally erased from like oh well, yeah, like the all most Marvel content now. Like people forget like one of the the most 
horrific thing that's happened in a Marvel movie happens in Ant-Man when Darren Cross, like, turns that guy into goo. Yeah. You know? And then they turn him into, like, a, a comedy joke villain here, and it's like... Love it. Which is also a bummer, because I love MODOK as a villain yeah, <laughs> overall, yeah. but, like, I know you can't really make MODOK into MODOK once you show his face. <laughs> like, you have to keep him constantly under the... You know, under the yeah. shell. But that's what's funny about the Modoc part in this, which I think is also it's like the best part besides Jonathan Majors and the worst part because the special the CGI on it is just fucking horrible. I mean, it's something that like you would do like with a green screen like yeah. yourself. But he looks fine like when he has the the mask on, right? But yeah. But when they do, I love like the way they've styled the dialogue with him, where like he keeps trying to talk and they keep like cutting him off, and then I think it's it's funny but also kind of depressing when he's just like, what can I do? When he's like, like, you know, getting his ass kicked and she's like, just don't be a dick. He's like, I'm a dick. You're right. I'm a dick. At least I'm not a dick. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. What? And, that, what? and like that final, like his death scene is fun. Like that's a, that's why the most fun part, like funny part of the movie. Cause Corey Stahl was up to the task of looking like a complete fucking goofball at that point, you know? And like Paul Rudd plays off of, but, Paul Rudd and Catherine Newton play off of it. But well. is that where we are with these movies where they're taking Corey Stahl? And I'm not saying Corey Stahl is like this, I mean, he's a good actor, but like they're taking him and they're just like, just be an asshole for, just be fucking goofy for like two minutes. And then we're going to have Paul Rudd kind of react to what you're saying. So it seems like he just filmed like some reaction dialogue and you just kind of chopped it up and stuck it in there. I've never really seen Paul Rudd do a movie that he's like, so just sleepwalking through. Yeah. He seemed like Like he he always put something, a little something, a little like of his like charisma. Yes. Cause he just has a natural charisma where he doesn't really need to try hard. It's like, he like was like, I'm not even going to turn that on for this movie. Yeah. It was very, it was like he was actively trying not to be. Yeah, I, well, that's, and I think that's the thing that, that I find most disappointing about this movie is that, like, at least Thor was trying to, like, um, achieve an aesthetic, and it, and, it, and it, like, went too far, and yeah. it became just aesthetic, and, like, had no, like, um, uh, content or substance at all, and this doesn't even, like, try to hit an aesthetic, so it's substanceless and aesthetic-less, it's just, it's, you know like, what, nothing. Do you know what I found most intriguing and bizarre about this movie, though, is... Why is Michael Douglas trying? <laughs> like, Michael Douglas is actively trying to, like, be funny and be, like, a comedy guy in yeah. this. Like, he's actually doing some work with, like, what he's doing. Why? I don't know. <laughs> like, you got that. Did you get that, too? That he was, like, he was... He's like, well, I think he was like, I got some lines, I'm going to try to nail them. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, okay, good for you. And, like, you can see, like, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer going, like, for this? <laughs> well, you can see Michelle Pfeiffer being like, yes. Money. Yeah. Thank you. Finally, Michelle someone's Pfeiffer, giving me money. Every time she's not on screen is clearly reading the screenplay to remember her next line. But to be fair, when she is on screen, she's really good. Like she's, she's got like, she's, she, she's great when she's on, when it's her and John, I would watch an entire movie of just her and Jonathan Majors. Well, and so that's still the thing, in that show. And that's the thing that I think was, that's the thing that I think is we can end on this unless you have something else like you and I don't want to say like I have to end it or anything like that. But hair color, think, that's the only thing I'd have to say. I think going, what? Hair color. For, hair color works. For over Michelle Pfeiffer? Well, Captain Over Catherine Newton. Newton, yeah. A brunette thing is, is um, a good, good choice. The, I think that the adherence of the MCU to, which they never had before in the first three phases of constantly moving forward, I think is odd. 
I think the there's clearly a better movie here that takes place when Janet is in the quantum realm with um Jonathan Majors and that's the movie. Yeah. And then and then we don't have the Ant-Man stuff and it's just it's just like a kind of like a two-hander but like with maybe some quantum realm politics or 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 something happening, you know what I mean? That doesn't have any that's not like necessarily attached to the ongoing like the the churning forward of the MCU but like we can stay here and just see Kang in this we don't have to see Kang get lose. We don't actually even have to see Kang like in the current in in the current timeline. We can see Kang at any point. Like I'm not sure why they're I'm not sure why they're not seeing this or if they are seeing it do they think that like these movies have to make a certain amount of money so they have to be directly attached to everything else that's happening so that's why i mean that's what's happening here now it's it's I, I, it's I, just I, about like maintaining a consistent timeline and not like exploring stories or characters because they they I, never I think, used to do that I, I think right now yeah they don't care about the stories or characters so much as they care about they have this outline right yeah. now like we need to get to you know kang dynasty which is going to lead the secret wars which will lead to like battle worlds and then we can get doom. Cause I think like the end, I think like all this is just to get to doom and battle worlds and stuff like, cause like, Oh, that's like going to be interesting to do. But I think the problem is that doom was already, I think supposed to be in two of these movies and they like wrote them out. I just, they cast him. Like maybe they can't, I don't know. Um, Bill Skarsgård. Still, that's still my pool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> the one thing, last thing I'll say though. Yeah. I would like, speaking of William Jackson Harper, uh, pull him out of this. Like, like take him out of the quantum realm, get fucking Red O'Krog or Red O'Korg or whatever his character's name is, Taki Waititi's character, and just have him be the new, a new comedy They would character. be good. Thor, Chris Hemsworth, and Taika Waititi, would, or, um, and, and William Jackson Harper would, would that was, feed off each other. That was other. the one character in this that I saw, like, new character I saw in this. I was like, I want to see, like, more of that character. Like, that character is a good comic relief character, and he does yeah. the job well. <clears throat> And like it plays it to it well, mm. um, but I, I assume you're never gonna see see him again. Nope, it's over. It's over for them. Um, how do we work this out? I'll just maybe maybe realize that Bo is afraid is coming out uh, oh next month. That's the worst title. How do they how do they come up with that? Disappointment Boulevard, I think, is it's fine. Is yeah. is you know whatever. It's not like the I don't I know. Mean, what Licorice Pizza is a better title than Soggy Bottom, but you know. Sure. Paul Thomas Anderson being a talent. Are you excited for the idea that he's going back to the Pinjin Will with Leo this time to do Vineland? Oh, I didn't hear about that. It's it's like it's it's been reported that that's the thing that he's working on. Mm, can work. Oh yeah. Awesome. Vineland seems seems like it's gonna be hard to adapt. Well, it's I, so me and JP were talking about it, and we think it might be the easiest to adapt because it's it's <clears throat> just one guy, and it's pretty straightforward. No. Um, but it doesn't have like a story like I mean it has a story but it's not like it doesn't have like the mystery of inherent vice that you can kind of attach to and like write like a really easy narrative piece through I always thought that Michael Keaton would be great in that but he's too old now um, I mean, he's not old he's not too old to be Batman so who knows you know but it, it's great to see I mean it's hard to adapt to Thomas Pynchon like all the time right it's not so hard to adapt to Paul Tremblay Paul Tremblay is a pretty pretty straightforward writer I would, I would say, 
not a very good writer either. I have, thought, I have thoughts on this thing that we'll we'll get to when we do. Actually, I've never actually read this book though. But uh, I did read it. The, it's the adaptation of the Cabin at the End of the World. This is M Night Shyamalan's new second R-rated film ever, after Happening, which people are doing a reevaluation of and saying now is good because it's are a, they? They're saying now it's it's an appropriate, fun parody. Get the fuck satire. out of here. Are they? Why? Like they're, like, they're like, oh, no, it's meant to be a B-movie. I, like, I, I don't think know. it is. It was not. No. It was meant to be like a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's still meant to be kind of a horror movie. But this is Knock at the Cabin. Hi there. Can I talk to you for a little bit? You have to come inside right now. There were four of them. What do we say? You shouldn't make things up when we're talking about... Can you open the door, please? They're breaking in! Fuck us, you baby. We're not here to hurt you. But you have to stay here in the cabin with us. Families throughout history have been chosen to make this decision. Your family must choose to willingly sacrifice one of the three of you to prevent the apocalypse. We're not sacrificing anyone. For every no you give us, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. It's really happening. Sweetheart, close your eyes. Will you make a choice? You have to somehow trust us. We're normal people just like you. It doesn't matter. None of us believe you. We will never choose anyone. When a seven-year-old, I believe, uh, girl is, is catching grasshoppers while on vacation with her parents, Andrew and King George III. Um, Jonathan Groff. When she is approached by John Dave Batista, who does not hold grudges against her, just like basketballs. Uh, he plays Leonard. Uh, he chats with her. Eventually, they get back into the house. You know, she, she kind of like rooms away when she notices that, you know, Ron Weasley um, <laughs> and two other people are coming as well. And eventually they get into the house and they hold them hostage because these four people who presumably may be the four horsemen of the apocalypse or whatever um, are an apocalyptic cult saying that they, this family, these, these two dads and when must make a sacrifice of one of them uh, in order to prevent the end of the world. Um, they refuse, obviously, uh, and Ron Weasley gets a bottle of cadaver, and the first step of it happens, we find out that there's this, uh, virus, the virus is the first part of it, mm-hmm. and that's been knocking out kids. The opposite of COVID. Yeah, it seems, it seems like a dream to me. Um, ladies. Uh, <laughs> uh, they still refuse, so it leads to the second death, and that, that is a... Earthquake and causes a huge tidal wave that destroys Portland. Um, well, not really Portland. I guess it would be Seaside, Oregon. Yeah. Um, and Seattle, I guess. Major parts of, of uh, the Pacific of the Northwest. Pacific, yeah. Pacific Northwest. Um, they still refuse, and it leads to a third thing, which is uh, airplanes falling out of the sky. And they've been, you know, Dave Batista's been telling them, like, this is all because they've seen visions of it. Um, 
and and they still refuse. And so Dave Batista, they've been sacrificing themselves these days yeah, for because yeah. the sacrifice has to be made. Must be made. Yeah. Um, and it causes lightning. It's the <clears throat> it's going to be the end of the world. The the burning lights, and they're going to be the three people left to wander the earth. And then, um, you know, King George the Third taps out, and he, he sacrifices basically himself. He makes Andrew kill him, um, and that prevents the end of the world. Uh, a shift and change from the book, where in the book the daughter yes. accidentally is killed, but much but earlier a, in the process. Yeah. and it's not though a sacrifice because she's an killed accidentally. Yeah. yeah, and presumably it ends with the end of the world. Because they decided, but they're to together. Yeah, I, I think we're going to be divided on this one. No, because this is this is my my second favorite that Night Shyamalan movie, uh-huh. um, next to Signs, uh, which is uh, is that considered a weird take to have Signs be your favorite? Like Sixth so. Sense just is fine. But I just never loved it. I think Sixth Sense just has really solid performances, but has a movie in itself that's kind of just. Exist in that late '90s, early 2000s stir of echoes. What lies beneath bubble for me? Oh yeah, where it's like kind of like that move. Those movies, mm-hmm. kind of like of that level, they just had you know a really solid Tony Collette and uh, Haley Joel Osment performance. It's just in there. it's too ubiquitous at this point. Yeah. like it's 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 beyond. You can't you can't even talk about it or think about it. It just is. The sixth sense is the sixth sense. Yeah, and this this is. Once again, a COVID movie. This was yes. 100%. Yes. You know, we have a cast of eight people, seven. No, like, like only eight, seven people, seven people in this yeah. in this room. You get M. Night Shyamalan and the news reporter on, on TV, which is ridiculous to have M. Night Shyamalan just on he the keeps, He loves it. He loves to do it. You're not Alfred Hitchcock, my guy. Um, Are, is it his? Are you sure? Did you want to call him and tell him that? Because I'm pretty sure he thinks that he is. But... I, I think the way that this is paced was engaging. Uh-huh. Uh, it has, you know, that kind of M. Night Shyamalan hallmark of in-media res, not in-media res, um, flashbacks happening throughout the film, and I think that actually works well to tell the secondary story of kind of like the systemic uh, crap uh, prejudice that, that this gay couple has gone through, Ruby yeah. Grint being kind of the one who actually attacked... Um, Andrew. Yeah. Um, and Fucking Rupert Grint. Yeah, and, and that's the th- and I think that's the thing that works the best in this is like every performance in this is is, is really solid. I, I Everyone's like performing all on cylinders. Batista just continues to prove himself to be like probably the most solid wrestler actor out there. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. taking like all these weird ass roles. He refuses to lose mass, but <laughs> he's just like, I'm going to still do like these movies. I mean, they wrote this. I mean, they, it almost seems like David Tremblay wrote this book for him, this part in the book for him because yeah. he's described exactly like this in the book. And they're just like, here's Dave Batista. And it's like, oh, it's amazing. He's just, you know, he's like perfectly cast for this. Um, and, you know, I get that great moment. I mean, I, I really love Abby Quinn in this, too. Has mm-hmm. um, She plays Adrian, who has, like, she's the weirdo creep yeah. who has the kid. Um, but, like, both of their moments, like her moment and Rupert Grint's moment when they're going to die, are, like, really solidly well done. I just, it was an enjoy, it's, it's very much a popcorn film. It's very, it, it's its ending is, is terrible. Like, I think the entire, what like. part of the ending? Just, just the kind of, like. All that denouement of sh- I, I think like him killing Eric mm-hmm. is, is fine, and then maybe we see like an end of the lightning 
then like they start walking off, but we still don't know. But like all that stuff being like, it just ended. You know, and then they go into the car and they listen to Boogie Shoes starts playing. I, I like that when they turn off, turn on, turn off, off, on again. I like that part. Um, Boogie Shoes having played like while they were traveling. Uh-huh. Um, it felt like a weird uh, five on it sort of callback from us, <laughs> didn't it? Well, I just, I think <laughs> uh, I think we're gonna find that Jordan Peele has some of this movie felt like us as well. Oh, he definitely wanted to do something like very ussy. Yeah, uh, but no, I, I think I, I think with with a different set of actors, this movie doesn't work because I think it's a pretty by the numbers script. It's a pretty by the numbers direction it's directed mm-hmm. pretty by the numbers but its performances raise it to like a thing where it's like oh i'm in having a really good time yes yeah. um i um i kind of agree i again did i say it on air or did i say it well, off that, air you kept like falling asleep yeah. i kept falling asleep but it's just because it's when i have time to watch like, late at movies night. now it's late at night um did you also watch a tv cut of this or no no <laughs> that'd be awesome this is switched to ron weasley just being like the cuts of like chamber of secrets being like harry Why'd you do that? Um, no, I mean, so my one problem with this movie, again, is, and it's not even a problem, is that like the Rupert Grinch thing, I don't know, I can't kind of get over it. I can't see past like the Ron Weasley thing. Like, I, I don't really care what he does, and I, that's on me. Um, I don't know why M. Night Shyamalan is obsessed with Rupert Grint because he's also in that TV show he does. Um, I forget what the name of it is. Look it up. Um, but he's on that too. It's on Apple TV. The the servant. Servant, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's in that. So he just loves Rupert Grint, and Rupert Grint is just Ron Weasley. Doesn't matter what he does, he's just getting swallowed up by Ron Weasleyness. Um, it's 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 because he has such like a ubiquitous look, but it's because like, he's not bad in this. Like he's definitely trying something new and doing a good job. Right. But it just his look. He's just Ron Weasley. Like his look is just put a beard on him, put some blood on him, make him like a a fucking homophobe, do whatever you want to, but still Ron Weasley. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give this movie uh, all the high fives for changing the ending of the book. The book ending the book ending is fucking stupid. And it's pre it's pre um like cultural virtue signaling, but the way that it comes off that like we, our love means more than like everything else in the whole world is fucking nonsense. And so the fact that M. Night Shyamalan recognized that as kind of two adults being in love is not worth like all the lives of everybody on the planet is ridiculous. And, but like the loss of a child is, or the protection of a child and like seeing that child be able to have some kind of a future is worth something I think works better for me. Dave Batista is fucking fantastic in this, in this movie. I'm not sure. Um, we kind of joked about the Jonathan majors kind of doing dual getting dual nominations at the end of 2024 for <clears throat> Creed and um, magazine dreams when it comes out. Um, I think there is going to be a kind of like upswell as the year goes on of Batista getting like a supporting actor nom. He's in a Britney Snow movie, like directed by Britney Snow. Like that's one of his movies coming up. Batista. Yeah. Britney Snow's directing a movie. I'm not sure that's going to help him. Um, but he's fantastic. She might be good. He's fantastic. I like her next. I like Ben Aldridge in this. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, he's going he's to have a lot more to do in Dune part two. I, I can only assume a ton more to do in Dune part two. And, and I think, and guardians, I think is going to be a big fucking movie. Well, yeah, and he's, I mean, that's going to be a send-off because he's fucking dying, Yeah, clearly. Um, like, he's, 
openly said how much he hates doing superhero stuff. But I think even Chris Pratt looks like he's invested in this Guardians movie. And I think the trailer looks like really significant. Oh, so, so there's no there's no C- CRT taught in, in uh, Guardians 3, huh? Nope. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, no, there probably is, right? Because it's, And Chris Pratt just doesn't realize it? Because the high evolutionary is <laughs> trying to, you know, create the perfect, you know, the perfect being. Um, I wish I had I wish I had more feelings about it. I'm not well, a big it's, it's Shyamalan hard. guy. Yeah, it's hard to have feelings about because the thing ultimately about M. Night Shyamalan is like, you know, he got notoriety and fame for Sixth Sense. He got that the Best Director nomination and Which I think he deserves screenwriting yeah. uh, nomination. Tony yeah. Tony Collette got her supporting actor now, which is deserved. Yep. like that's a scene I go back to and go like, yeah, you're talking about great performances in a scene like the two of them playing off each other in the car. It's great. Yeah. Um, I think people have mistaken M Night Shyamalan as like a arteur sort of filmmaker. They sure have when he's a popcorn guy. Yes, like. And if you look at the films that he's done through the veil of popcorn, like I think some of the films that have been received very negatively are maybe like not so awful. Like Lady in the Water is bad, but like it's not like one of the worst movies ever made that people made it out to be. The Village is perfectly passable. I really liked The Village, and I think that was the last M Night Shyamalan movie I like saw in theaters in real time, like when the culture was kind of like exploring things. Yeah. But if you didn't know. That, so, uh, so this kind of goes back to my review of this film. If you didn't know what was going to happen at the end of the village, you were kidding yourself because he's now, and it's a little bit like we could turn this into like an MCU thing too. His aesthetic making movies is that he's like a twist master, yeah, which is nice because this does not have a twist, but it has a twist because it changes the ending of the book. And so that's his twist. Well, I, think. Really, I don't think it's really a twist. It's just but what the way people that, do. Uh, sure, but I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's a little bit of a. The idea that it was real, is a is a or, I guess it could be a coincidence still. But the idea that it was real and this sacrifice needed to happen, this specific sacrifice needed to happen, and then everything stopped, is a little bit of a twist, and I liked it, and I thought it, it had stakes. It had. It was. It had. Um, uh, it did raise a real emotion yeah. to it, which I don't think he's always great at, because the twists always seem more premise related than character related. So, like to go back to the village, the twist at the end of the village has nothing to do with Bryce Dallas Howard or the fact that she can't see or the monsters or William Hurt and their little community or anything. It's hey, just kind of really? like, yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, we live in a, clo- a cloistered community and. Um, there's real life just outside the fence. That's it. Got no, there's no, there's no character like attached to it. There's no emotion. This had both of those things, which I really liked. I watch, I, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of got into. I mean, when yeah, finds a streaming home, I'm going to rewatch it when I'm not falling asleep. Yeah, because like in terms, he, he's he does when he actually does capture like emotion, he does it pretty well. Yeah. Like I think Sixth Sense does that well. Signs does that well. Mm-hmm. Um. To some degree, the visit does it well at points. Um, I think Split does it well, not from the James McAvoy character, but from like the prisoner character from Anna Taylor Joy. Yeah, um, like she. It's always weird to think that that's Anna Taylor Joy. I, I couldn't even remember that it was her. I thought it was actually somebody else. Um, 
So there's her, Haley Lou Richardson's in that too. Um, and who's the other? Who's the other one? Uh, aren't you happy that Haley Lou Richardson has a has is winning awards now? Well, she got a SAG. Oh really? Yeah. yeah she, From she, the White Lotus. Oh, is she in White Lotus? Yeah. Huh. You didn't watch White Lotus season no. two? It's fucking I terrible. I didn't watch White Lotus season one. Terrible. Oh, we gonna talk about Last of Us? Are you keeping it? No, I, I haven't. I got bored. Oh, you did? Yeah, I got. I got. So that. Uh, yeah, I, I guess we can transition from here. No, it's it's a it's a solid. Solid film. Solid, yeah. Um, entertaining, and I think no, I think it continues like the trend of if M. Night Shyamalan could just be this, like just kind of a popcorn filmmaker making pretty decent horror sci-fi kind of films, that's I, his BLS. I think if he could find a way to get his budget... Stay away from Will Smith. <laughs> stay away from Will Smith. If he could find a way to get the budgets of his films way down into like the, like the 20, I mean, this is, 30 this is million. 20, yeah. Right. If he can stay here in this wheelhouse and keep making money, um, and keep winning weekends, like if by strategically releasing these movies, um, I think the film culture is better for. Yeah, because old was eighteen million. Glass was probably expensive. Glass was Glass was only twenty. I think all of his his last few, most of his movies had split was nine. The the visit was five. Yeah, like his last five movies. Oh, he's making a movie already next year. Uh, his last five movies have cost less than what Scream 6 is going to cost. Yeah, and this is it. I mean, no, no, that's not true. This is where he... Well, combined, I was saying. But combined, they're going to toss less than, you know, yeah. this is bad where, boys for life. He should sit here. This is where he should This is where he should exist. He should stop trying to, like, get he, big. Yes, I think he has. I think he's happy with this. I hope so. I hope so. Because I'm I think, happy with it. I think, he's, I think he's happy that people, like, that he's able to make movies that are telling the stories he wants to tell. Yeah. And... You know, I think at first it was like, B, he's going to be the big guy, but now, like, now it's like, no, you're just like a good journeyman, solid filmmaker. Yeah, and I mean, I will, um, you know, spoiler alert for next, for 2024, it's, this started my list of 2023 movies just for adapted screenplay. I mean, I do have, I do have my five ranked already. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. This um, is uh, one so, right. Last of Us, bored. So transition yeah. real quick. The Last of Us. We've talked about this before because I did my review of Last of Us too. I I don't like, and I know that it it parries out of the infected part of it. But the entire premise, uh, I I got through episode five, right? That the the last part of the Kansas City episode. With, yeah. Um, Melanie was good. And I fucking hated those two episodes. It's like a passion. Why? Because I just don't like I it, it wasn't so much those two episodes. It was more the ending of that episode five where the infected kind of attack. I it's a bloater or yeah, whatever it is. Hate 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 that shit. The infected like, parts? Like, yeah. I, I just think it's goofy. I think it's stupid. Uh, I know a lot of people are now. A lot of people are kind of like I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it like probably I'm gonna probably fit like watch up to episode eight this weekend so I can catch yeah episode nine on Monday um, because I know a lot of criticisms now are like oh they've kind of left the infected behind and that's great they because have, the yeah. entire fucking premise of a mushroom like thing is dumb episode two like so. Episode three of Last of Us is probably one of my favorite episodes, like yeah. episodes of TV in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Episode two is for shows I watch, and I watch a lot of shows. One of the worst because 
And that's the one where, like, you know, she... Um, well, they're doing, like, the sneak out. That's yeah. the video game episode. Yeah. yeah. And we're, like, you know, the affected... Uh, I can't remember her name. Anna Torb's character. Yeah. Um, gets bit and whatnot. I hate it. I just hate everything they do with the infected. And, like, everyone's, like, lost their mind over the Blu-ray thing. I'm like, this is just so fucking... Feels like a video game. And when it's not... It, it feels like every time Neil Druckmann's fingers get on it I and he does the that video shit, yeah. game stuff, I'm like, get out of here. Well, like Craig Mazin, like, take your dumb fucking video game because Last of Us 2 stinks and Last of Us, the original one, isn't that great either. But you have a good, like, bones and premise and, like, yeah. the, the story of... We have good K of two yeah. good characters. Yeah, and, and two solid actors, Bella Ram. Like, a lot of people are kind of shitting at Bella Ramsey, but They're she's fucking solid. dumb. Yeah, Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal have been amazing in this. Yeah. Um, like, let them just be journeying through fucked up stuff going on. And I figure episode eight's probably, I hope, pretty solid, because Neil Druckmann didn't seem like he had his fingers in I've it. heard it's pretty messed up. Like, and she... Because that part Bella, of the game... That part of the game... Some, that's the best part of the game. Yeah. Okay. And it's not monster-related. It's human Well, in episode seven is the is the DLC, I think. Yeah, and I, I love... Which, which is I very good. Which last, episode seven is very good. I love Left Behind, but the only reason I'm, like, still nervous about watching it is Neil Druckmann is the sole writer on it, and I just think Neil... He's, like, one of those people who doesn't realize still he's a video game writer, which means to say he couldn't make it in film. The, the writing of it is... is um, It's the directing of Episode 7 that makes it... That sets it apart well, yeah, because I think it's, it's Mazin still, so... No, I think it's somebody else. Is directs it? it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know Craig Mazin directed the last one, but I, that's the thing. I think... Having Maze and not having Druckmann co-write the stuff, but every time you kind of see like Druckmann's voice coming through, it's like you're a fucking video game writer and yeah. different goddamn medium. I will say this: like I love Hogwarts Legacy. I put forty hours into that, and I'm like, the story is fun. Mm -hmm. You put that story into a film, it's terrible, right? Well, because it's, it's just two different mediums, right? I um, am playing right now because I liked Last of Us. I like the show. Are you and playing the games? No, because I don't have a PlayStation. Wow. Although it is getting released on stream or on Steam on the 28th of March. I'm, so, I'm surprised Last of Us Part 1 didn't already get released on it, So that's what's coming out. Is is, is uh, Part 2 on, on Steam? Already? No, just okay. part, it's Part 1's getting released on the 28th. So I'm excited to kind of to download it and, and to kind of play it. Well, I would just... I'm just not a fan of those, those style of games. I'm playing Resident Evil, the first one. The first Resident Evil, the like the remake of it on my Switch, and um, the parts that I You're butt up a Jill sandwich, yeah, the parts that I butt up against in um, Last of Us are the moments that play exactly like the video game, and it's not like it's not what everyone thinks that it is. It's not the it's not that bloater scene, which I think is I also think is garbage because it's just. Pedro Pascal sitting in like a window, like picking people off, and I imagine that like the video game is Barry peppering it. Pedro Pascal, <laughs> there's too many things that make me think of the Painted Bird and Barry Pepper just like shooting. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking. Bird. I was thinking of Saving Private Ryan. Oh no, I'm thinking of the other Barry Pepper. That's, yeah, that's bad on me. Um, I imagine that there's a scene in the video game where like Joel is hidden somewhere. Well, it's shooting kind of different. Like, zombies. Well, it's set in Pittsburgh instead. It's, kind okay. of, it's fairly different. Um, the thing that really bugs me about the Last of Us TV show is when, in the second episode, 
So there's you like you said the the worst one was she picks up that like piece of paper when Joel's asleep or whatever she gets to Joel and and um, Anna Torv's apartment and she picks up the thing the piece of paper that like says the meaning of like the various songs playing on the radio would mean That's for Frank episode. and Bill is that the first episode yeah. and I was just like come on man and then in the sixth and so you haven't seen it yet at the end of the sixth episode they go to a fireflies installation and there's no fireflies there and he like picks up a piece of paper and like he reads it and it almost looks like a cutscene. like it doesn't seem real it seems like digitally and i was like guys it's not a video game it's okay it's okay to move yeah. on from like oh. this like the source material i was like no one in any movie ever has picked up a nonsense completely meaningless piece of paper read it in full and then put it down and moved on with their life. That's video game shit well, where you just pick up every, even so I'm playing, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, okay. I'm playing resident evil in line and my son is looking over my shoulder and he's like, is this game essentially you just like walking around every room? It's okay. I didn't say it. It's fine. Like walking around into every room. You can see my room. finger do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is he like, is this just, is this game just you walking around every room and like hitting a like, to see if you can like read something, I was like, "Yes, that's it's exactly what it is." And like, he would I hate he would hate Hogwarts Legacy where you just go like, you walk around, slit, press left button, Revelio, Revelio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's um, he's uh, he's plowing through. He just plowed through Arceus, Pokemon Arceus, and um, a couple other things. Um, Sonic Frontiers. He's yeah. doing Crisis Core, the, the Origins, the Final Fantasy game. Doesn't matter. Um, and I. And, it bummed me out to see that ref- that kind of like video game thing reflected in like a TV show. When and that's one of the things. Actually, the, this is how these things tie together. I think is the Last of Us and Knock at the Cabin Door or Knock at the Cabin is that Emmett Shyamalan looked at read the cabin at the end of the world. It was like that doesn't work. Well, yeah, I'm no. gonna do something different. I'm gonna adapt this for the screen. And to well, say something different. Do you care if I, I spoil part of, part of the game? No, that, not at all. So episode three is a prime example of this. Okay. That's completely fucking different. The Bill and Frank The stuff. Bill and Frank yeah. in the game. So when you get to when Ellie and Joel get there, Bill's still alive. Bill doesn't isn't dead. Mm-hmm. Bill never dies in it. Frank, like through a series of letters you find, Ends up saying like he hate he grew to hate Bill so much that he mm. left Bill and is eventually bitten and hangs himself. Oh, and but in the last letter he says like you know I knew this town was gonna kill me but you know I know you know for me this is better than spending another day with you mm. and it's like Craig Mazin looked at that and was like that's fucking stupid mm. and instead I'm gonna like make this <laughs> yeah which is. Fucking genius. There's no better... I haven't... I mean, I don't watch a lot of TV, but there's not a lot of better line deliveries and Nick Offerman saying, like, you were my purpose. I'm satisfied. Yeah, I lived a... Yeah. Like, and you're just kind of like, you know... Or or when... Um, I can't remember the other actor's name. Murray Bartlett. Co- Murray Bartlett goes like, you already drank. You... The pills are in the bottle. Enough to kill a horse. Yeah, just... But, like, the way he says, like... The pills were like the, just that it's great. Well, just like Murray Bartlett's and it's whole beautiful. Per- it's, it it, yes. it fits that world. Murray Bartlett's whole performance in the sense that he's not like some guy. He's not some kind of like fawning, like dude. Which, by the way, who? Which one do you think wins the uh, 
guest performance. I, I say Murray Bartlett wins it. And Murray Bartlett already won an Emmy. So it'll be Nick Offerman. I you think, think so? Okay. Yeah. Um, he won for White Lotus the first season. Oh. Um, I do think Murray Bartlett does a better. Does so I think more, Murray but... Bartlett does a more complicated thing. So that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say because he's kind of a dick. And so I think that plays into the original game thing is that they've adapted the emotional resonance of the character. So he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to live this life, but he does love Bill. He like loves him, but he's also like, they're not two timid guys. He like knows what he is and he knows who Bill is and he's going to guide him through this. But Bill, he needs Bill to feel like Bill is taking care of him, even though he's been taking care of Bill the whole time. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's like, that's all that stuff is is present in like, uh, you know, the last two acts of that, of that, you know, the, that 40 minutes there. Um, and yeah, I think that one of the things that's not great about the rest of, about episodes four and five is like the Melanie Linsky stuff, especially, who I usually love, I think she's miscast or she's just miswritten. Yeah. Um, well, those episodes just feel so video gamey. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. There should have been more emotion with the Sam and uh, Cameron here. That's the kid's name. I don't remember. But, but I mean, it's yeah. good. The way that he dies at the is good. I mean, he, the performance is good. Yeah. But like, just feels, up to that, it seems weird. It just feels like a video game. It like, seems weird that he escaped. It seems weird that any of them escaped when the, nobody else escaped, but like these four people escaped. It's yeah, weird. Just, it needs to be. I'm interested to see how they do the last episode because last episode is going to be divisive. With well, so how you, that goes. To do be. you think they're going to do the like the end of the first game as episode nine? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, because I know you had said that they were going to try to spread this out for three no. Seasons. So episode season see Last of Us two has to be two. Seasons. So it's just gonna you be. You can't. You oh, can't. Okay. Do. So, like, the first game is like 14 hours, but the story's pretty straightforward. Last of Us 2, there's a lot of shit going on. I remember you saying it's very much more complicated. Um, complicated being a word, I guess you could use word. <laughs> Fucking garbage being the better term. Um, but I, I would, would not be surprised if there's a big departure. Because. In 2? I mean, you know what happens in 2. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it because there's people. There's yeah, a major thing happens into that. Well, you, I remember you told me like when it when it came out, you kind of gave yeah. me the rundown off of yeah. that and stuff like and, that. And like, which doesn't bother me, but like, I just don't see them doing committing that. to that for the for the show. Yeah. yeah. And no, there's people I know who have not played the game who listen to us, so I'm not gonna say anything. Well, there's people I know that haven't played the game and watched the show that are just like that thought, he which was, is insane. I don't know how those people are gonna. For, like that's the I most interesting. It, spoil, yeah. But that's the most interesting spoiler thing to me, though. It's like I've never seen so many people be like, yeah, I don't play the games and I don't want anything spoiled from it. It's like, how the fuck are you going to manage that? Well, so there's a bunch of people that I talked to that thought that he and I don't you know, I know you don't know what happened. And I don't mean to spoil it for the for the I, mean, I know TV what happened. Show I know what happened. OK, so when he I played the games, when so. they get to the Firefly installation in Colorado, Joel gets in attacked, the TV show, yeah. Joel, he gets attacked. And this one woman I was talking to was like, oh, is he going to die? And I was like, well, there's a whole extra game. And I think that's, I think, I actually think that's a sweet spot for this show is to, is to not even know that, like, know it's, it's based on a video game, but not know anything about that video game. Because then you're just, you're solely invested in these characters and you don't have to worry about, like, what they're doing, what one medium is doing versus the other. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, like, I know that he lived because, like, I know they made another game and that Joel is in it. And, like, you know, you told me some stuff about what happened in, like, the second game. 
Um, but like somebody else who's blissfully more ignorant of that stuff is probably just like, well, I just hope that this works out for him, which I didn't have to worry about. No. Unless they decided to be Crazy. the cool-ass people ever and like be like, Joel's done. Episode six, he's fucking out. Also, Ellie's dead too. We're just going to move on to a couple different characters. He's going to follow zombies around the whole time. No, in fact, you can't call them zombies because they're not dead. Ugh. <laughs> Speaking of not speaking of being Mario. zombies and not being dead, or That's, maybe dead multiple times, or maybe something, it leads us to the last film, the, the probably the, the most interesting discussion we'll have. We're already an hour and twenty four. I wouldn't be surprised if we did another hour and twenty four. Well, I would not be Mario. surprised either. I, I, probably an hour. I can imagine an hour. Something but that is Brandon Cronenberg's third film after Antiviral and Possessor. It is Infinity Pool. I don't understand why we're doing this. We barely know these people. It's one day. Let's mix things up a bit. Hi! You're just happy you found your fan club. I've been waiting six years for your second book. Is it coming out soon? I'm working on it. What do you do for money then? You married rich. Well, <laughs> I actually came here looking for inspiration. Mr. James Foster, you'll have to come with us. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. What? What did he say? But for a significant sum, we'll build a gobble to send in for your execution. Yeah. All right. So you're, you're, you're running this I'll one? do it. I'll okay. do it. Um, let's see, let's see, yeah, where are you? Are you in the unrated cut? Where are you like next list? month, by the way? <sighs> well, the big, you know, the big, the big thing that's uncut is, uh, you see the penis ejaculating. Whoa, cool. James, uh, Foster, played by Alexander Skarsgård, goes to a resort, a, um, Litolka, or the country of Litolka, uh, to uh, he's a writer, yeah, and he's a, trying to get some an, inspiration. It's an island, it says seaside country. I, I assumed it was an island country. I don't know. I don't know where this is supposed to be, but it was like matter. Tuvalu or something like that. Uh, he goes with his uh, wife M, who um, is played by Cleopatra Coleman, and her dad. We find out is like a publisher, and and you know she doesn't want her to marry a writer, and she marries a writer. Blah blah. blah. Alexander Skarsgård wants to get some inspiration, so he goes to this island. Uh, he just seems irritated by the accommodations of the of the resort. When he's there, he meets Gabby, uh, played by Mia Goth, and her husband, uh, Albin, played by Jaleel Lespert. And they take them to this secluded beach area that features nothing and also some abandoned vehicles. And there, Gabby... Uh, it's got a real crimes of the future sort of motif of like a fictional place, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, and like a fictional down and out place just means like a place that has like not very much money and and weird Soviet overtures. Yeah. Um, she gives James a hand job and he gets confused. 
news that he's been drinking. And on the way home from this secluded beach, he hits a native with his car. And Gabby makes him just drag the body into the side of the road and then go home. And they'll, you know, go back to the resort and they'll figure it out. Figuring it out in this island resort means that he can uh, be executed. Or, because he has money... This island offers this service where they will create an exact double of a person and then the the uh, victim's family can kill that person. And then you get to keep the ashes of your dead double and go off scot-free. Needless to say, there's a whole bunch of rich people on this island who have kind of been exploiting this this uh, service and have kind of turned this into like a little game. Um, things escalate in ways that we will talk about in, um, throughout our review. Um, M goes home. James kind of ingratiates himself with this group even further. Um, to say things get out of hand and Mia Goth goes fucking crazy is, is one way to put it. Um, I loved Possessor. I loved it. I thought it was fucking awesome. I thought it was mean and gross, but I thought it had a lot of ideas. And Christopher Abbott carries a huge heart to it. Yeah. And and Andre Risborough, between Andre Risborough and Christopher Abbott, I was like, there's these two performers that are willing to do anything and go anywhere. And I thought it had a lot of energy to it. And even when it was like gross, and even when it was like, causing people like reveling in people's pain thought it earned all that stuff and i thought it kicked fucking ass i had a lot of i had very high hopes for this movie probably too high and i did you ever see antiviral no okay me neither um i did not like this movie i thought it was an empty exercise and nothing yeah, I think Brandon Cronenberg has um, great work in him, and I think there is a possibility for this to be great. I think when after the introduction and after he gets the doubling, um, I thought it was fantastic. I thought the whole idea of the doubling was fantastic. I thought the idea of him watching himself be murdered was amazing. Like, like in a possessor way, in a way that I thought was like better than like his dad, um, like to like your crimes of the future thing was like going places that crimes of the future like wanted to go, but like was kind of like afraid to go because he needed to make maybe he needed to make some money, maybe he needed like the movie to be seen, um, like the idea of Alexander Skarsgård watching himself plead for his life while a little kid like stabbed him to death, um seemed fucking fantastic. And then everything else it after falls that off. was just terrible. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's exactly what I, I would agree with. It is a fantastic, really interesting movie up until that point. Um, there's like that undercurrent of, of sleaze mm. that like is meant to ramp up later, but like fails to do so. Like, like Mia Goff just kind of molesting him. <laughs> Um, is is like the sleaziest that this movie ever gets. Like when she gives him like a hand job without like any sort of saying anything. Mm. And it's clearly like that's the grossest this movie ever gets. And like then 
the entire doubling followed by like the pleading and like the I really wish the the kill there was a little more graphic because of how like the emotion to it versus like what's happening. But then everything after that is meant to explode into like this society-esque, you know, that Mad George society-esque sort of movie yeah, yeah. of um, excess. But instead it just kind of like becomes this weird exercise in art house ropes and yeah. film school kind of like a, a film school filmmaker having a lot of money to do stuff um, that it just kind of like falls off a huge fucking cliff. The, the, I respect the fact that he was able somehow to sneak in a penis in a vagina, an erect penis inside of a vagina during an orgy scene, mm-hmm. like from an interior perspective. I, I, I respect, I respect the fact that he was able to get the R rating mm-hmm. that the MPAA like did not catch that. I respect that that happened because mm-hmm. fuck the MPA. But that sequence is nauseating in the sense, not the sense that like it's nauseating the watch. It's nauseating in the sense that like it's just it's too long and doesn't have anything to say. And it has nothing to do with anything. And it has the most obvious ending to a sequence. I knew that fucking shit was coming from a mile of fucking yeah, away. Yeah, the only thing that like surprised me was I really had planned that the ending of the film was going to be he was going to run. He, his money was going to get cut off and he was going to get like killed himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't go there. It goes somewhere else. But like at the same point, the the hallmark of like oh release yourself and be like your true primal thing is like telegraphed from the beginning. Mia Goth does a good job of leaning into like the villain role and well, like so chewing sure it, up it, the it, scene. But like uh, what this movie has to say at that point, I'm so utterly disconnected from and just wanted it. Like I wanted this movie to end. 20 minutes earlier than it did? I don't even know, man. I thought it could... I mean, I don't even... That's like a thing that a lot of movies like have multiple endings. I feel like this movie didn't have any endings. No, not at all. But and I so just, it kind of like wrote itself to an ending. I just hadn't seen a movie in so long that petered out. Like, but when he gets in the bus, I kind of want the movie to like end there. The because end everything, of the, like the, the second bus? Well, the bus when they shoot out Okay, the first bus, yeah. Yeah, I kind of just wanted to end there. Yeah. Like, just, like, he's fucked up by what's happened. he can't leave. But, like, I don't know. Because I, I, everything after that just feels so... It's like, yeah, we, we've already get the fact that these people are so removed from their humanity. That they themselves have become, like, at this point, the doubles. You know, because they've been... They are allowed to be so well, weird. But that's a, but that's the thing. I think that's what you just said. I think is the kind of the crux of the questions of, about this movie. Is that like what what actually have they become? Have they be what have they become anything? Because at the end of the movie, they're just like they go back to being which like, I, which they're I very do like. normal. Lives. I do like that. I do like that scene in the second bus where like they're just kind of like chatting. About I like what that too do. because that that scene means something. So I don't think, but like it's not connected to. Anything that's kind of happened. Nothing. Well, so, but it's so like, but I, I, mean, I, I, is, I always got the idea that Brandon Cronenberg's trying to say, like, this is the raw, true self, like, removed all the bullshit. And, like, this is, like, what these people are at their core. And going back to their regular lives are kind of like the additives that they see, throw in know. there. See, I, uh, maybe, I don't know. But also, because at the same the, point, like, I would think, I, I, I remember reading Reddit and, like, kind of like reading about this movie after it happened. I'm sorry, I, I keep cutting you off. No, 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 it's good. Yeah. When I finish this. Um, but, like, I, I was reading for, like, 20 minutes, and I was like, you know what? I don't fucking 
care. Yes, yes, that's the whole thing. Is that so? At the end of the movie, they're all kind of going back to their like, oh, um, painting the house, and like one guy's writing like a paper, and like another guy's doing a thing, and they all have other things, and he has no other things because he's a writer, and his wife is kind of paying for his life, so he doesn't even have like another kind of life to go back to. And I guess his, I guess his the book sucked and all that. Yeah. Right, and I guess that's the reality that his book was no good, and nobody read it. Um, and I think. You can read that review that Mia Goth reads screaming at him while driving really slowly on the hood of a car. Like as you can read it narratively as it has nothing like, you know, he's no good. So he literally has nothing to go back to. But you can also kind of if there's a metatextual quality to it where it's like Brandon Cronenberg kind of like confronting his Cronenbergness a little bit like that. He's got like. There's a, a Nepo baby quality to like, like his an career. Maybe? Syndrome yeah, sort exactly. Of thing, yeah. Um, and so he's like confronting that, but. Um, Doesn't make any sense because antiviral and possessor were both critical. Well, his beloved. dad fucking wishes he could do something like possessor at this point. Like he, like David Cronenberg wishes that Crimes of the Future was taking the chances that possessor was taking. But at the end of the movie. I just don't think, I think at that age, you just can't make those you just the, the idea that the movie just ends with him sitting there kind of being like, I'm not sure who I am or what I'm doing. I can't go back is, is a, like the biggest fucking cop out because like you have these actors that are taking well, some, some, some opinions say that he did go back and that's another copy back there. But it's like, all right, to, to cut to again, to quote who Mario fucking cares the idea to quote Mia Goth in that movie. Yeah. But to go to Megoth, the idea that you have actors giving what these two specific actors are giving and then kind of leaving them with this kind of very flaccid, like, and, nothing and, ending. And Jaleel Lispert is, is doing some good work, too. Here. Sure, but, like, he's not doing... He's not giving as much. I can tell you. Do. So the second thing that went on my list this year is in my top ten moments um, of when Megoth's character nurses... Alexander Skarsgård's character because that was not in the script. I know that wasn't the script. I didn't. I wasn't part of the production. I didn't read the script. I had nothing to do with anything. I know that she saw fake blood on his hand. She was knew she was what she was wearing. Like whipped her breast out, rubbed fake blood on it, and Alexander Skarsgård was like, "I'm already here. I might as well just nurse on Mia Goth's chest for a full minute." Was not a part of this movie. I know it wasn't a part of this movie, but they fucking did it because they're two people that are just fucking crazy. They're two are they're our two most like lunatic actors that are just like, yeah, I'll do that. What do you want me to do? Oh, you want me to do nine and a half minute monologue that nobody asked for that I'm just like making up off the top of my fucking head and pearl? Sure. I'll do that. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you didn't even ask me to do that? I'm just doing it and you're going to well, yeah, read it per, in the movie? I mean, I mean yes. well, no, the entire genesis of Pearl is just like Mia Goth being like, well, we're here. Let's just make another movie. <laughs> Let's explore this character a little bit. Let's make Alexander another Skarsgård movie. being like, yeah, I'll be the abusive husband in everything. I don't care. I'm probably the nicest guy in the whole world. But you know what people see when they look at me? A wife beater. Yeah, I'll lean into that. Like, that's that's. Oh, what you we, want me to slaughter innocent people and be happy about it? I'll, yeah, I'll do that. Robert Eggers being like, pull it back a bit. Nope. Nope. I can't. I can't now. I'm in it. I'm, I'm in gonna, it. I'm going to actually kill Bjork. No, you, no, no, you can't do that. I want to. <laughs> Just going to make an album about mushrooms and dirt if I don't. Um, 
Yeah, that's it's and that's where I think this movie is, and I think I think it's it's a major failure. So it's like another, it's like the third thing that might show up on my list later is I think this movie is a, a legitimate failure because it had all these things going for it and decided to like cop out. I think is the best word on a hallucin like a, 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 um, a hallucinating scene. Um, you know what? A, a house raid yeah. where like someone is nude for no reason, like. You know, that very Kubrick-esque, like, eyes wide shut nonsense end of the hallucination scene. It's like, come on, man. You, come you know on. What, you know what my big issue is? Um, I'm forgetting the name of that movie. Is with Brandon Cronenberg, I think. Um, is the fact, like, and I see, I saw this with Possessor. And I see it really here. Uh, that he isn't, like, that, you know, compared to something like his father. Is he, he's too rigid. Mm. He's too professional. I think both like Possessor and this film are very professional films. Like they don't feel it, right? Mm-hmm. But you could tell there's like he set a vision, he set an idea, and he's he's executing it. Yeah. And you look at something like, you know, Rabid or The Brood from Cronenberg, mm-hmm. and there's a real fucking grimy exploitation looseness to it. I think even something as like modern like, as existence, yeah, is, exactly, is a B stream movie. of con. There's like a stream of consciousness right. to it. That that things kind of like flow. Jude Law is probably doing stuff that like he's not being told to do, and he's just doing it. But like this feels like when things happen. And I agree. Like I, don't know, I assume maybe it was kind of an idea of just like oh yeah, the nursing scene. Like it doesn't feel like something in the script, but. It, or could Maybe. you could you do that? Yeah, you're you're um, here. Could you do this? But it feels it feels so detached from the rest of the movie because yes. it does not fit. Because like Cronenberg keeps the same pace. It's like this weird, really fucking interesting thing just happened, and back to where we were. Like but, it doesn't. Nothing comes of. But that. even before that, the weird, interesting thing that happens is that he gets shot and he ends up at the family's house of the guy that he killed, but he didn't. You know what I mean? That was just Same a dream. Yeah. So like, who cares? And that's I think the problem. Which with is this. a cool, cool ass shot where that kid is like yeah. going up to him and strangling. Like, Absolutely. Like, there's, there's, Why yeah. couldn't that be real? That's and that's the whole thing with this movie is that Possessor seemed like it was taking chances, and even but does it like it look back and it doesn't feel like it. It feels, it's, it's it feels like it's taking chances because like at moments, but like it always comes back to the rails. It, but, like it stays on it, its rails the entire time. But it was it's. So the thing that I kept thinking about when I was watching this movie is that it is, there's a misanthropy to it that I think is really kind of fascinating. That Armand White must have just like, can't even process it. Like he just hates human humanity so fucking much that I found that stuff. Like So the beginning of the movie, like Did the first. Did a positive review? The first, oh, I don't know. I, I bet he couldn't even, I could, bet he couldn't even handle it. I don't <laughs> think he did because he's too busy, he's like, coming. punching down on Creed. Um, there's a misanthropy to the first hour of this movie that I love, which is present in all of Possessor. To the point where at the end of Possessor, they kill a kid. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I killed that kid. Cool. He didn't really do it. No. He likes bones and all. He did. That's why me and Armand White are the same. Um, Second generation lost romantics. Ruined liberals. <laughs> Love it. 
But that's why he's so smart, because everyone that made that movie is a liberal. But it's anti-liberal. You see? You see how that works? And Possessor kind of... So, uh, Misanthropy, Infinity Pool, for the first hour. But then it kind of gets away from that, and then it uses Misanthropy as a... Like a cliche that it, it kind of mines, where Possessor was just like, you see this guy's face? I'm going to stick a fireplace poker into it, and then I'm going to twist it, and I'm going to ruin his face. Yeah. And then 20 minutes later, I'm going to fucking kill a kid, and it's not going to be something that you can come back from. That kid is fucking dead. And in this movie, there's too many dream sequences. There's too many things that are real and not real. There's too much, like, passive behavior that he uses the masks, which are beautiful. Um, and just, just like, a, like a marvel of, like, costume design to... Mask, oh, like man. I, I felt real emotion. I felt really bad for it. I watched that movie, and even I got kind of like freaked out by it. But the mask design, I agree. But anybody that suffers from oh, what the hell is that phobia, though, of dots the holes, the holes one, yeah. I was watching that going, like, Ooh, that's making me feel uncomfortable. I was like, Yeah, I didn't. One of Jordan's friend, like, Jordan's best friend, has that phobia. And I was yeah. like, Oh man, I wonder, do not would, watch this movie. I wonder what she would like, she would probably just vomit, even from that one scene, like, really early on. When they're like, oh, we're going to play guitar next to people while they're eating, wearing these masks. Like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. But, which is, that, that's the thing that's such a bummer. It's like everything early on in this movie is so fascinating and interesting. Yeah. That Chinese restaurant being such like a real caricature of everything is so interesting. And then it just stops being interesting. It just stops mm-hmm. having anything to say or anything kind of, it stops being subversive. Like it could... It tries to continue to be it subversive. It wants to be subversive, but yes. it's not. Because it's still just a violent, horror-ish movie. But not even all that violent, not even all that horrible. Like, it's no. just weird. And it's not even that weird. And it's not, yeah, exactly. So it's like, what is it? It's just like, you know. Like, that orgy scene. I watched that. Like, I got weird looks. So there was a lot of teenagers in my Why? Of, I don't know. I think they thought it was going to be... Just a horror movie. I, I think, think so they were too, expecting yeah. like X or Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, they were expecting just like a regular horror movie. But like during that order, I started laughing. <laughs> like I like I it wasn't like ha ha ha. I was just like, <laughs> and like Andy turned to me a couple times and was like what? But because it's it's so telegraphed, so obvious. Yeah, yeah. It's so obvious and so fucking goofy. And then even when they do the horrible things, like when they they're it's, squeezing the breasts and like like. Like material is coming out of like the nipple. Yeah, you're just like, who cares? What is this for? Yeah, it's just like this is supposed to be like, you know, interesting and yeah. weird and gross. And it's like, but instead, this is just fucking goofy. Just cut that shit out. Like, yeah. the, like, oh, it's a you know, it's a hallucinogen, and you're gonna like do like whatever. And all he does when he confronts that guy that he thinks is like the cop is like, he kicks his ass and then like pees on him. It's like, why? I just, I'm, me and my wife are watching Silicon Valley, and somebody peed on, like, a car in the exact same way that somebody peed on a guy in this, in this movie. Like, so who gives a shit? But actually, the most disturbing part of that is when he's peeing on him, and it's like, he starts and stops peeing, and I'm like, oh, man. That must hurt. He must have an expanded prostate. Yeah. <laughs> get that <laughs> get checked, checked out. out. Well, that's the thing. Which is, I'm, not, I'm, not even like, I'm not even, like, joking, by the way. Like, I, like. That's how, like, detached from this movie I was at that point. That I was like, why is he peeing like that? 
Yeah. Even and I was in, it like, wasn't because like, it wasn't horrifying. It wasn't gross. It was just like I've seen gross fucking movies and weird shit in movies and like this isn't yeah. like, touching it. Mar- and I was talking to a guy. I was talking to a friend of mine about um, Lars von Trier because they had seen a list of like movies. What was the list? Like movies you have to watch before you die. No, it was like just something like movies you've never heard of kind of that like are like classic blah, blah, blah. And Melancholia was on it. And he's like, oh, have you seen Melancholia? I was like, well, yeah, I've seen Melancholia like a bunch of times. And he's like, oh, is it, is it worth watching? And I was like, it is. I was like, it's, it's great. I was like, but the kind of, you know, this friend of mine, I was like, make sure you do not watch any of the other movies in this trilogy or quartet as I see it. That's Antichrist. Antichrist, Melancholia, Nymphomaniac. And for me, How's That Jackville yeah, is, yeah. is like... And I was like, do never watch any of those movies, ever. Nymphomania's... Nah, but Nymphomania, okay. I think... So that's has weird stuff in it, but like, it's, it's a weird... It's, I think it's very interesting in, regard, in relation to this movie. In the sense that Lars von Trier has a very specific, not visual aesthetic, emotional aesthetic. Mm. And so the sex in Nymphomaniac is... When you hear it and you read about it, you're like, oh, that's what happens. But when you see it, you're like, that's totally different than what, like, when you're in the context of the movie, it's totally different than what's presented to you if, like, someone was just kind of relating to you um, the narrative of the film. Um, Because it's funny and disturbing in ways that have nothing to do with sex and is violent in ways that has nothing to do with real violence it's or like like a cliched violence it's different because he's an artist and i think brandon cronenberg has the opportunity to be on the level of be on the level of a, of a von trier because he's not going to make I just, he's not going to make you know um make those movies but he he people with real vision cue so closely to like Kubrick and to like lesser versions of like his own and I don't mean to be I don't want to be a dick about it but like his own dad yeah and I think I think there's like this level that Cronenberg Brandon Cronenberg thinks like he's like there's reviewers and people that have watched his film there's this like level of dementedness to it and it's Mm -hmm. not he he just seems like a dude you know making violent movies you know why like so this actually you know we talked about I don't think he's he's, I think he's literally it feels like a very level headed person yes styles of movies we talked about Crash earlier last year was that the first movie like comeback podcast we did we did the Cronenberg stuff we did no the first I thought the first episode was it that it was either that or the uh, top five of the Oh, yeah, First yeah, time. that was it. Yeah, then Dan McRimberg, yeah. Um, Crash is demented because it's not very demented. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but Elias still- Cotillas is, is fully committed to being a totally demented person. And so that's why it's demented. Yeah, it there's still like some anything very sex demented. stuff that like Cronenberg, that David Cronenberg felt like he was like not really going through, but like maybe had dem- not necessarily demented thoughts about. Sure. But abnormal, mm-hmm. atypical thoughts about. Mm-hmm. Whereas everything with Brandon Cronenberg feels like just normal. Well, if, I mean, well, think about well this. adjusted. Think about His movies feel too well adjusted for how like but also, weird is it trying exactly, to be. Exactly, but think about this. Think about compare these two things. Mia Goff and Alexander Sarsgaard are seemingly oh. not well adjusted people. 
The Mia Goth especially. She seems like she is really dealing with some stuff. But also maybe she's not, and she's just a great actress. Yeah. Um, consider James Spader that. having <laughs> sex with Holly Hunter's scar. Okay? You never see his dick go into her leg scar or her wound. But this movie is too... So we use the word brave. Before. What do we use the word brave in relation to? I don't remember. It's been a long podcast. It's the first one in a long time, and I'm, I'm a little out of it. Um, he didn't have to... Sh- like, that's dement. That's, like, legitimately demented, yeah. and it feels demented. He's showing stuff here, like, you know, full frontal nudity and penises going into vaginas and things squeezing out of nipples and, like, all this other stuff. Um, and none of that feels... Demented. Even close to being as demented. None of that feels as close to being... None of that feels as close to being as demented as just showing Andrew Risborough having a penis. Like a fully erect penis sitting on top of somebody. Like, that shit was demented. Nothing in he in this movie feels demented on it any level. Demented. It felt weird. But it, it felt, like, interesting. But, but it, it felt interesting. But here's what I would say. It felt, like, physically interesting for that to have happened yeah. because... You didn't see it coming, and then it—and I don't mean to make a pun, a sex pun—but then it was there, and you were just like, "Holy fucking shit!" Like that's like, that's like a different place. Yeah. Like you're taking me to a different place. Infinity Pool like legitimately took me to like, like pulled me back from dementedness into like, what is this? And so it pulled me out of feeling stuff to thinking about stuff. Because I was trying to make sense of it, and that's that's bad. That's a that, like I'm not saying this is a bad movie, but for me, it's a it's a bad movie. It's not what I want. Yeah, it's 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 it was unfortunate because like at a certain point where some of its hallmarks felt so telegraphed, that I was able to kind of like not really necessarily predict them coming, but once they happened, I was just like, yeah, that, I can see that coming. Except for the nursing thing, I didn't see that like coming at all. Like that me was neither. the one. Interesting thing, or like the strangulation thing. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be something interesting." Yeah, and, and it was a fantasy, not a fantasy, a dream. It's like, "Oh, okay." No, but like him beating his like double to death and like caving in the face. I was like, "Yeah, I see that coming." But and, why didn't they push that further? Why did he just like piss on his double, kick him a bunch of times? They take the mask off, and he's got some cuts on his face. Why didn't they push that? Well, they did later, like when he caves in his face. I guess, but you don't even see anything there. Well, I. Possibly that you did, and the MPA like stepped in on that one. Maybe because, I guess. I mean, maybe that's a reason to like rent like the director's cut whenever it comes out. But like, well, it's not does gonna, it matter? It's not going to make any changes. No, it's because something... narratively it means nothing. It's just it would be just kind of like titillation at that point. Yeah. But but why do it then? I don't know. It seems weird. It seems very weird. COVID. Like so. You talked. I, I want. I'm curious to hear what you say. We can end on this if you want. Like I was watching, I was looking at pictures of the set of The Last of Us, and people are still like wearing masks. And I don't want this to be an anti like masking like podcast. Well, it makes sense. But like, this is not a COVID movie anymore. Like, is Infinity Pool a COVID movie? No, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I just feel like. But the the reason the wear masks makes sense, like you don't want to give one of your stars COVID. Oh sure, and you have to shut down production for five days. But I feel like there's a there's a cloister. I mean, we're pretty close to the point where it's like, oh, I got COVID. It's like, yeah, fucking work through it. Yeah, like that's got to be like what a year away. I'm guessing you got two days off, then you come back in. 
Not soon even. You, not even. As soon as you stop coughing, you're good. If you never started coughing, you're good. Yeah. Wear your mask and come into work. As long as Jade Adams doesn't catch you. That's true. That's true of like everything though. <laughs> My feeling is that this feel this movie feels very cloistered. Yeah. And I don't know why. Because I feel like it didn't have to, because they've made resort shows, movies, whatever, that don't feel as like pulled in as this, where there's like no characters. Like well, you got even, a whole... even something like Glass Onion, which is definitely a COVID thing, feels less closed in. And there's less characters in Glass Onion, but it does feel less closed in. Why? Yeah. I don't know. It seems weird. I like that movie less the more I get away from it. Me too. Yeah. I hope it, it's not going to win the Oscar. No. I think that would... I think no, you... not, but just, just to, to finish off, sure, I, sure. I agree. Because it... And I don't know. I think this, it's like that we're seeing movies now that are like on that weird middle ground. These are movies that were probably in production in June 21 or like not June 21, but like in 21. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like where people had got their vaccines. Uh, maybe several times. Several times. A but booster. Like, like probably, probably hadn't even got their booster at this point. Maybe. Uh, let's see. Principal filming took place September 2021. So no, they hadn't got their even booster at that point. Okay. So people are still feeling un kind of uncomfortable. Mm. So I think you're going to see this for the next couple months in movies. And it's going to be, I think something, a good example, I think Scream, this, like even like Cocaine Bear has this weird like, clustered feel to yeah. it. I think Scream, something like Scream and maybe even, I don't know, I didn't see Creed, something like Scream, which was made fucking in like five months. Mm-hmm. Like Scream came out in January and they started production like in September. That's sad. Um, let's happen with Scream 1 and Scream 2 Scream 2 came out ex- like less than a year after Scream 1 oh we gotta it's get it we gotta one. jump on it I mean, it's the best it's the best <clears throat> Scream movie I'll take that's my new opinion now Scream 2 is the best Scream one Scream 2 yeah uh, I think that movie's gonna feel big because I think there's gonna be a lot of people on screen all at yeah, once yeah. Um, now you're gonna start seeing in movies probably coming out in the summer where it's like fi- where people finally felt comfortable like as we're getting to the productions that were made in 2022 yeah. but here's what I would say we both watched if not most, if not all of Cabinet of Curiosities, they were able to make those movies with those episodes of television, those short films, short, or in some cases as like, you know, um, the um, Jennifer Kent, that's a movie. Yeah. With two people, three people at the most. And it didn't feel like they were doing it because they had to. They feel like they were doing it because of narratively, it was it was like how the what the film required. Well, and that's the thing. I, th- I think though, to be fair, like that style of of film or show lends itself to a very small cast. I mean, look at Tales from the Crypt episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Carry On. But how whatever, is but- has two. Two, three people. What I would argue is how is this all that much different from a Tales from the Crypt episode? Can you make, for me, oh, this, an 85-minute like, episode of Tales from the Crypt that deals with doubling, like in that way, like visceral, like that visceral doubling, has that level of um, gore, like realistic gore in it because it's a, it's a film and it's not adherent to like a, a television show or anything like that. Um, but also have some kind of like subtext to it that has not just about like the the murder or or, or the violence, but like where those things mean something. Yeah. Why couldn't he do that? And I'm not I'm not sure. Well, 
you know what I mean? And have it not feel like a like a COVID production where this very much feels like a COVID production. He's older than both of us. I'm actually shocked by that. I thought he was like So he's not very good. He's not like a wonderkind. I thought he was like thirty two. He's forty three. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, he's st- but like I said, he's still like early on in this filming. But oh, it just- sure. It just was, it was weird. I yeah. felt very strange watching it because it was just not doing. Any- Again, it was not just doing any of the things I expected him to well, do. The bo- I, I it seemed very safe. I think the real bother. Oh, I saw. Speaking of bother, I've seen six movies this year. Mm-hmm. I forgot. I saw Winnie the Pooh, Blood. And oh, you did in theaters? No, I, I watched it. Was it good? Stream? No, it's terrible. But good, like good terrible kills. in a good way. Good kills. No, yeah, good. Terrible in a good way. What's better, Terrifier two or Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh, because it's less mean. Cool. It's still mean, but it's like less mean, mm. and clearly understands that it's bad. Mm. Um, the problem with this movie, I think, ultimately, is like it has a really promising first act that's like setting up like this movie's going to go places yeah. that are not weird necessarily, but interesting. Uh huh. And then it just abandons it for like rich people bad, rich people doing yeah. crazy things. And that's kind of just, that's all it has to say. And the subversive aspect of it is the fact that he's not rich, but is married to rich, but is a creative person, but he is also bad. Is that really all that subversive? No, there's nothing subversive. Rich people are there's bad. Nothing subversive creative about people it. are bad. Everyone's bad. Is that subversive? No, it's just it's just a it's just a movie. Yeah, that's the problem. It ends up just being a movie. Yeah, whereas Possessor had a lot of things to say about identity and well, I think this the loss of identity yeah. through like just the fact that like the you know his, her family's dead and whatnot. But it also like the idea the idea of identity being consumed by like corporate America, like you know when Christopher Abbott goes into that world. And he's just kind of like, what the fuck is this? And we're just like, oh, it's just data mining. Like, what are we doing? Oh, we're just data mining. It's like data mining is not like a new thing. Brandon Cronenberg didn't invent data mining. But the idea that like this is like potentially in this universe what data mining is, is just like, well, that's, that doesn't feel awesome. Yeah. And that's what's also interesting is like something like Possessor takes place in an alternate reality to ours, but still feels very tactile and real, whereas... The problem with something like Infinity Pool and Crimes of the Future is it takes place in this alternate world that feels just very cheaply and lazily created. Well, so that does not have any connection to our world. But here's the thing, and this is bad. This is a bad movie review of me. I was watching Infinity Pool, and when they were talking about the fact that like this country has kind of like invented this thing that nobody else can do, I was like, yeah, you win Nobel prizes for that shit. Like, if you can, like, clone a human, like, with their memories and stuff like that, like, you can't just do that. I mean, I, and, be, and yeah. people be like, I don't know, it's a culture. It's just, a, it's a cultural thing. We're not touching it. It's like, that's fucking crazy. No. And again, that's a, that's a me thing, but it's because the only thing. It's the same mind. thing with, like, Cat's Cradle, right? Like, they create Ice Nine and Cat's Cradle. That would be a crazy thing. Right. But this random country created it. So right. But Cat's Cradle. I'm fine with that. But Cat's, so I actually think that that's a. Perfect example, and I'm I'm really appreciative that you brought it up. Cat's Cradle is they reconfigured the universe, so like the world that that exists in is different than like even if it seems the same is different. 
This is literally the same world that we exist in now, but someone has invented a totally different science, and everyone's just like, yep, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. It's cool. It's cool. I'm going expo- to exploit it, it by like they've murdering it people. From everybody. So do they like? And these, nobody's mentioned it, right? And these people come to this island every year, and who? Then they what? They just murder. How many people do they murder a year? Like, what's like the? So uh, you must fair, not live very long on this island. While I was watching this movie, I was kind of going like, I wonder what the. Like, I don't want to see a movie yes. about the policy discussion of yes. like them going like. So this is our tradition, but like, there's a lot of people dying. And also, like, why is there this white German guy who's a native of this, but most of the people seem like somewhat southeastern Pacific Islanders? And he'll like, and he'll go along or with Hispanic. like all of their like, like how's that Germanic. Guy, how's that guy a native of that island? And be like, I'll sacrifice all the people, and because they'll pay for it. Like Thomas Kretschmann does not look like any other person that's on that island. No, but he's very good. No, he is. And I was sad when like he just is only in that first couple scenes and then just disappears. I was like... Me too. I was kind of hoping he I thought I thought he was going to be the cop getting beat up. Yeah. I was like, oh, we're going to get Thomas Kretschmann in the uh, finale of this film. Nope. Nope. He just disappears. That happens to Thomas Kretschmann a lot. He kind of like shows up in movies and then disappears. I was actually legit... Let's get some money. Let's get some... uh, Let's get a couple million dollars. Yeah. Have Thomas Kretschmann be our lead. In the movie that we produce? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good idea. Because I had that exact same thought. I was like... He'll play a troubled cop but he won't have a drug addiction or alcohol problem. His trouble will be... uh, I don't know, he obsessively solves crossword uh, jigsaw puzzles. Like or he sees a jigsaw puzzle, and he can no. operate until that he's jigsaw puzzle's too solved. too into the wordle. Mm. He's like, he just can't, he has to do it in two, or he's not doing it. He just keeps talking about how many, how angry he is about how many double letters there are. It's like, fucking, 26 <laughs> letters, and every other wordle. I was like, goddamn, two G's. Two G's. That's terrible now. I still do the Wordle. I'm gonna I do too. I'm going to like on a 40, 141 streak. Yeah. We like spend the whole weekend doing like all, like the four major. I don't know if it's four major, but we do the Wordle, Spelling Bee, the Mini, and then I, I murder Letterboxd. I love it. Do you do like movie to movie? No, no. Like the, um, that it's a New York Times puzzle that has oh, like the it. box with like the 12 letters on it. Oh. And you have to do it within five, like use all the letters. Love it. Why does Brandon Cronenberg make a movie about that? About Wordle? Yeah. I'd watch a Wordle movie for Brandon Cronenberg. Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd rather see Lars von Trier tackle it. <laughs> yeah. Back soon. <laughs> Probably. Not sooner than Tom Sizemore. Uh, well, I was kind of bummed about that. <laughs> I wasn't. He was a fucking monster. Yeah, but he was good in the things that he was good in. When you when the director understood like when Michael Mann and Steven Spielberg the fact that Michael Mann and Steven Spielberg saw the same actor and was like you know what I can get out of this guy is something totally different from what you're gonna get out of him and they got it you know what I mean was kind of amazing did you always get him and Michael Madsen mixed up as well no that's just a me thing I guess okay I'd be like oh man he's good in Reservoir Dogs Tom Sizemore would have been a great. I like Michael Madsen. You're not a Michael Madsen guy? No, he could have been in it too. You had taken over Chris Penn's role. I think that Harvey... Chris Penn Ke- was not very good. Chris Penn was not very good. I don't think Harvey Keitel was very good either, though. I don't but think I- Harvey Keitel gave a shit. No, because he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. He didn't know who this guy was or why he was in his movie. 
But I think if Harvey Keitel, because by Pulp Fiction, Harvey Keitel cares. He got it. Yeah. yeah. And he was also not asked to do a ton. Yeah. Um, He's one of those guys that has that natural cool charisma, and he just kind of like did that for... Well, again... He tried to do that for Reservoir Dogs, and you just can't do that for that character, for Mr. White. But he did it for... And fucking the Irishman, like, and he's old, and I'm not sure what he's doing because he doesn't do a lot of things anymore. But he's in one scene in The Irishman; it's like the best scene in the movie. Oh, Joe yeah. Pesci and Harvey Keitel just talking to each other is the best scene in the whole fucking movie. I I watch a movie where Harvey Keitel and Joe Pesci just talk about. The what world. if they remade My Dinner with Andre with Joe Pesci and Harvey Keitel? I watched the fucking shit out of that movie. Fuck yeah, man! Would you see it in theaters? Yeah, IMAX. <laughs> Or, no. th- or XD? No. no, I just see that. I just see it in, in regular theaters. Is that no, I'm, I'm, I am continuing my trend in Recon Adventure. I'm like, my, I was going to see Scream 6 at Cinemark because mm-hmm. I have those free tickets. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to continue my trend of the last three Scream movies, three straight Scream movies being seen downtown because for some reason, why is Scream 6 in 3D? No reason. So, like, every showing but one is either in XD, mm-hmm. then the one non-3D Why showing in XD. Because that's, like, the big movie coming out I this guess. weekend. So they always put, like, the big movie in XD. Mm-hmm. It just it just means it's a bigger screen. Mm-hmm. But the one showing that's not in 3D on XD is at 5.30. And I'm mm-hmm. going to go to the gym instead. But, like, the next showing that's not in 3D, there's, like, six or seven showings, isn't until, like, 10. It's mm. weird. There's, like, five or six showings just all in 3D. I feel like, do you get the impression? Do you need, what about Scream needs to be in 3D? Nothing. Because they didn't shoot it in 3D, did they? No, it's it's converted. It's like they, yeah. it's like the one movie that went like, oh, 3D came back. Oh, you have to wear glasses? Yeah, you would have to. You can't see 3D well, with glasses. Are they going to throw, know. is blood going to like shoot out at you or? No, because like obviously this movie was not made with 3D in mind. It's weird. Why are they just not showing Avatar in 3D? Or Creed 3 in 3D? But they're still showing Avatar, I think, in 3D. I don't think Creed 3... Creed 3 would have made sense it was. in 3D. I barely, oh, was they it? shot the last fight scene in XD or whatever. Or IMAX 3? or whatever. Yeah, it was... That, that makes sense. I guess. But nothing about Scream. I don't think Scream was ever... Yeah. But also, like, why? The only way it would work is if they like made it as a joke against uh, Friday the 13th Part 3. Do you think Barbie's going to be shown in 3D? Maybe that could work. I am one hundred percent. I've seen that one trailer. Barbie seen that trailer. I, I can day. see that working. Yeah, no, I, I'm too. That's releasing against. I actually have told Andy I am going to see Barbie before I see Oppenheimer. Sure, I'm much yeah, yeah. more excited to see Barbie than mm-hmm. to see Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. I can fucking. I'm bringing both my kids to see Barbie. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It's gonna be fun. And they know who both of those people are, and they're very excited. Surprised Greta Gerwig just isn't in that movie. No, she's 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 done. Like as an actress. Well, I read this. I read an article today about like some. She's going to be in some off Broadway production of something with Oscar Isaac, and it got like postponed. And I was like, oh, it's good. <laughs> They're just like, no. Like she's she's Price a director. She's a director. Yeah. No, it was it was a uh, it was like some like. You know, a playwright's like big play, and she was gonna play something in it, and he was gonna play something in it. She's a director. She's not. I don't think she's an actress. No, she's a she's a mumblecore actress, which yeah. means she's not an actress. White Noise was not great. 
Little Women was magnificent. Yeah. It's okay. Lady Bird is pretty good. Lady Bird is phenomenal. And she's not an iconic film. And she's not in either of those movies. Yep. And Francis Ha is not that good. It's fine. Greenberg, not that good. I don't like Greenberg, but because I think Ben Stiller is not a very good actor. It has nothing to do with Noah Baumbach or Greg Gerwig. Actually, I think I prefer Adam Sandler as an actor. Like a comedic actor turned serious actor no. than Ben Stiller. I love Jim Carrey compared to that. I'd still, I'd still prefer Adam Sandler personally. Me too. Because I, I think he's, there's no pretension there. I think he understands the character. I forget his name in, White, in um, Uncut Gems. I think he legitimately gets that Mur- guy. Maury? 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 What's that? Maybe Maury. That's all a movie once. I don't like it. No, but I think... You know I, me and the Safdie brothers. I thought he was um, I thought he was good in it, but I think he... I think Howard. He, he's Howard. Howard. Is there, I think he under- is there a Maury in that? There's got to be a Maury. How could there not be a Maury? Is that... What's called his character? Eric Bogosian? Yeah. Is, he, is that Eric Bogosian's character? I think he's just called Eric Bogosian. <laughs> Yeah, they actually killed Aaron Bogosian <laughs> for that film. Uh, all right. Well, if you want to talk about what Eric Bogosian's character was named, he's Arno. I don't know where I got Maury from. There's got to be. Is Mike Francesca's character named Maury? <laughs> oh, I hope so. If you want to talk about Mike Francesca, you can go to a different podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're I will gonna... never talk about Mike Francesca. Yeah, that guy's terrible. Uh, or go to pivotalfilm.com and look at the our pivotal film list or the beers that we drank when we were doing it or how to subscribe to the podcast. Um, we, I think we'll be back soon. Yeah. I got Scream 6 to talk. I might not I might do that. What else? Andy. What else is there besides Scream 6? Coming out? Not, 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 not a lot. We, we do have Black Girl to talk to do. So we got to start the... Maybe the, we'll just do... Maybe we'll like come... Like you can do a Scream 6 and then we'll like just do an hour on Black Girl. Yeah. You know, yeah, because there's nothing coming out really, is there? No, not not really recently. Nothing. Guardians is May, but we'll, we won't wait till May. But we have like Bo is Afraid coming out. I'm not going to see that. Um, I can't really think of, of much. But do you want to see Bo is Afraid? No, we're going to. But no, no, no. I just don't want to ask you. Do you want to see? I'm Bo not saying Shazam. I'm not saying John Wick. I will see Dungeons and Dragons. I'm kind of, Why will you do of, that? It's kind of fun. It seems fun. Oh my god! There's Chris the Tetris. Pine. There's the Tetris movie. Chris Pine. Super Mario Brother, Brothers. Oh, uh, we'll that. talk about Mario Brothers. Yeah. How to blow up a pipeline could be good. Renfield. I'll see that for sure. I don't know. That movie didn't look great. Renfield. Yeah. Or how to blow up a pipeline. No, Renfield. The Hopefully, how to blow up a pipeline is good. The preview um, for Renfield was too like involved. So I will not be seeing Bo's Afraid on that Thursday because that's the same day as Evil Dead Rise and that movie takes priority over Bo's Afraid. There's no way that movie's any good. Get fucked, Ari Aster. What, Evil Dead Rise? Yeah. It's going to be terrible. You think so? Sure. It was originally supposed to be an HBO Max and they liked it so much that they moved it to theaters. So They know what they're doing over at HBO Max. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, in that case... We will go see Renfield. <laughs> yeah, and Jake Beard. see Renfield on April fourteenth. Oh my god! Yeah, so the preview of that movie just looked like interminable. I like I like Nicholas Holt. I, I like Nicholas Aquafina, but like Aquafina is I feel so bad for her because she's just doing the same part now over and over and over again. 
She actually seems like she's going to be a love interest in this movie, though, which makes me kind of happy. I guess. I'm happy that, like, Aquafina, like, because that poor, that poor woman's been, like, considered, like, no, you could be the friend. Well, she was in the, she was great in the farewell, and they're just like, yeah, you'll be, yeah, you'll be the buddy in every movie now. Yeah. Because your voice is cool. Like, let her be a leading, leading actress. Yeah. She's a decent actor. She's got a good look. There's something about like when Nicolas Cage showed up. I feel like I said good look. She's a pro wrestler. Her Um, finish is great. Yeah. Just just, uh, some part of the breaking. Um. Oh, we could do the children with the corn. That got like a half star. (laughs) That's barely terrible.